kill you. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Welcome to Auntie Nanny. Um, hey, you know, it, it happened. Um, Trump won, dogs married cats, uh, hellfire rained from the sky, and GDK is producing this show. <laughs> uh, with me tonight is the very best producer that money can't buy, except for when Donald Trump gets elected and everything goes haywire. Hi, Barry. How are you this evening? Well, I'd be good if uh, you know things worked um, I know <laughs> yeah, they were working a couple of days ago uh, yeah, like I said right. <laughs> I'm telling you it's all Trump's fault and uh, no, I... no, wait, I'll, I'll, I'll just blame Pence because you know running me. <laughs> okay we can blame Mike Pence too and uh, Miss Jeannie thank you for stepping in to run the show this evening <laughs> um <laughs> So I got a message from Alex that Alex is ready to come on. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Oh, shit. I need audacity then, don't I? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Uh, uh, let me find it. Okay, I got okay. it. All right. All right. I got that. Okay. So, yeah, the show is a little um, disorganized tonight, but that's that's quite all right. We're all here. We're yeah. all together. Yeah. Um. Hold on. All right, I could Alex. Okay, hey, you know we got we got President Camacho instead of President Snow, I guess. <laughs> oh God. <sighs> so there's that. Good evening. Oh. Hello. Good evening, Alex. How are you this evening? Good. How's it going? Really good. Good evening and welcome to the CASA update for the week of 11-14-2016. So, I'm guessing a lot's happened since you took off on your, you know, vaping road trip. <laughs> Do you want yeah, to talk I, about that? Has, has it been like a month and a half or maybe yeah. even two, two months since I've sat down and done this thing? Yeah, it has. <laughs> yeah, um... Yeah, this could be one of the the weirder updates because um, <laughs> it's uh, 
<clears throat> I don't want to go completely back in time, but uh, you okay. know, originally, I guess the plan was to you know talk about the right to vape tour and right. how things went with that, and mm-hmm. um, obviously, actually, we've done a couple of events since then. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I, where to begin? <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I said you know we we got President Camacho um, in the White House now. Yeah. Uh, instead of President Snow. Um, <laughs> so so um, does that change the outlook for vaping uh, as far as anybody knows? Um, we're all still sort of trying to hash out the details of that. Um, okay. But I think the general sentiment is that uh, we have a Republican-controlled government. Right. And uh, there have been signals that, uh, of course, you know, direct from the the Trump uh, that uh, he's looking to roll back some regulations. And uh, apparently there was an article that came out uh, yesterday. We were sort of number 14 on that list of, wow. uh, uh, you know, potential regulations that would be dealt with. Um, wow. So we're on the list. <clears throat> We're on the list. I mean, now, in, in terms of, you know, the actual mechanics of getting that done, that's that's up for discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, and there's still, there's, there's no real change in the current strategy either. You know, we're still looking at trying to get some language included in an omnibus budget bill, right. um, which uh, that's, you know, there's timing on that is kind of another question. You know, is that going to happen in December or will they just kind of, kick it down the road a bit so that the new Congress and Senate will, will deal with that in the right. spring. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, really timing has been the only thing that's changed. Uh, I think there's some other considerations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that, that we've talked about um, is potentially, you know, legislation being introduced next year that would carve out vapor products completely um, and this is this is a bit of a heavy lift because it, it really does mean um, addressing it, it means amending the Tobacco Control Act as far as as far as mm-hmm. I can tell. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's 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 a much heavier lift. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're, we're paying attention to it and, and kind of waiting for the dust to settle from the election before really diving into this. But um you know, obviously, CASA would like to have some input into that bill because uh, this is an opportunity to address the larger tobacco harm reduction uh-huh. issue and not just vapor products. Sure. But uh, again, you know, that's uh, that sort of depends on how everybody feels about it um, right. and, and whether or not that's even possible. So, um, yeah, there's, you know, there's... <clears throat> Despite kind of the, uh, I, oh God, I have mixed feelings about how things turned out myself. But uh, you know, despite how things turned out, um, you know, there is a bit of a silver lining here for for the vaping community, um, in that uh, you know we can potentially get some substantive changes made. I will say, <clears throat> you know, we're getting this done. I, mm-hmm. I, I have this feeling. You know, not only do we have, we have one two-year deadline with 
August 8th of 2018 looming. But um, I suspect that, you know, Democrats have taken such a lashing in this election that we also have a two-year deadline for them wrestling back control of Congress mm-hmm. and the Senate. Right. Um, you know, and, and so that's, uh, that's something just to consider. Also, mm-hmm. um, you know, Trump found a lot of opposition within the Republican Party yeah. you know, to begin with. Yeah. So it, no one should be going into this thinking that this is a slam dunk. Um, there, there is still likely to be a check on some of the things that he wants to do. I right. would hope, I would, I would sincerely hope that, um, you know, helping people improve their lives and also supporting small business at the same time is not one of those things that people are going to put a check on. Right. Um, but you never know. So, sure. uh, it's, uh, but you know, suffice to say, uh, th- there's no, there's no real slam dunk scenario here. Right. Uh, you know, the Republicans are not necessarily going to be able to ride roughshod over, uh, Democrats for the next two years. It's just, you know, it's a lot more complex than that. Um, but, uh, so yeah, a a little bit of hope there are, there are some that, that, you know, whereas before I I don't (laughs) think, you know, I didn't see a whole lot of, you know, rays of sunshine. Mm -hmm. Um, but now I feel like, um, I think we're going to be able to press the issue a little bit harder and we're going to find a lot more support. Um, and you know, this also, You know, despite what, what we may have seen from uh, state legislatures, right. um, you know, across the country, we now have, I believe, 38 states with Republican-controlled legislatures. Wow. Um, I, I don't have that list in front of me, but um, and I suspect it's you know generally follows the rest of the electoral map, um, probably mostly the middle of the country, mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, that you know, state state legislation is also very important in shaping the you know the kind of national conversation about this pol- about policies regarding vapor products. So, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be a really interesting two years. <laughs> it, it is. I um the only path I was seeing forward if um President Snow got elected was um maybe trying to push the issue as a Tenth Amendment thing, trying to get states to disregard Washington um, the way they've done with uh, marijuana. That was the only thing I was thinking might be like a, a last ditch type of thing. And, you know, I had kind of thought about that, but it's already, you know, it, it, if that's the case, then why not just go full bore and, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, states enforce their own tobacco control laws that are uh, lax, but you know, it's mm-hmm. the, the, the agencies carrying out the enforcement are, you know, health and human services. And they're, yeah. you know, it's the, the, the enforcement wing is already there. And, um, you know, it, it, we also have, you know, that there's that, <clears throat> there's that lobbying and influence that comes from the body parts groups, mm-hmm. um, that you just don't see that same volume coming from, at least I don't, I maybe because I live in a, a bit of an echo chamber on the marijuana issue, but um, 
you know, you just don't see that level of volume coming from anti-marijuana people. Sure. Um, if anything, you know, the, you know, the, unfortunately, you know, marijuana gets looped into this weird drug conversation about vapor products. Right. And then, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, uh, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but it, it, you know, marijuana turns into this morality issue. And if anything, right. I think people are pointing to the glaring hypocrisy of, wait a second, you're daylighting this, you know, relatively powerful drug. Um, and, and I don't care what anybody says about marijuana. It is, you know, it's got some kick to it. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you're daylighting this this previously prohibited substance uh, and, and loosening regulations on it. Meanwhile, tightening the screws on something like vapor products. Right. So those seem those seem to be the things that I, I see getting a lot more attention than just outright. Right. You know, no marijuana. I maybe I, I'm probably wrong about that just because of the media that I pay attention to, but, um, no, no, no. I, I, I pay attention to all media. Um, I try to, I, I think it's, I think you get a better outlook if you do. Yeah. It's, you know, not stuck in the echo chamber. Yeah. So, um, okay. So not a terrible thing for vaping. Um, so give me, I don't know. Give me a, a brief overview of, of what it was like driving every day <laughs> for months at a time, I guess. So I'm still trying to figure out whether or not my right arm is sore from grabbing the steering wheel for many hours every day, or if it's also sore from carrying our uh, like trade show stuff, the two banners and all the, the paper stuff that we carry along. Right. Um, but my right arm is still sore in oh. weird spots, depending on how I lift it above my head. I, it, wow. It's still kind of stiff. Um, but, uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, you know, also considering, you know, the people that were on board on this RV, um, right. you know, we had Julie Wessner, Paul Blair, Greg, Gregory Conley, uh, at some points we had, you know, Cat York from Boosted. Uh, Corey rode along with us for a stretch. Um, uh, Corey V. Hill um, and Pamela Gorman. Did I already say Pamela Gorman? No, you just uh, yeah. So you know, we had you know leadership in the community on board this RV, and it was uh, very important to make sure that we all arrived safely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, it, it was uh, you know other than each individual stop, it was actually really. Uh, good to be I think not necessarily the like the physical space environment but be in the environment where you know I, I, I maybe it isn't said enough or maybe people already know it but you know Gregory Conley and Paul Blair are workhorses yeah. um, they are very good at what they do and they do a lot of it and it was I think good for for me to just be around that um, and uh, see them working. Um, sometimes it makes you a bit uncomfortable. Like when Greg is like, oh yeah, we're totally stopping by the American Cancer Society and we're going to leave a bunch of leaflets or, uh, you know, personal handwritten letters under their door. Um, but that was still, you know, a lot of fun. Um, and, 
yeah, it was, that was pretty funny. Um, but, uh, yeah. And then, you know, basically, you know, sharing the mic with them and, and hitting all of these cities as we go and, and, you know, getting able, being able to have discussions with, with people. And, um, we got a lot of great content that I, I'm, I, I didn't send my email out today, but there's a, there's at least, there's at least one more video coming out from the tour. Um, I, I think there should be two. Um, but, uh, yeah, our, our, our videographer, our documentarian, uh, his name is Justin Youngs. Okay. And, uh, this is his passion is making movies, uh-huh. uh, and generally images. Uh, he's also a very good photographer. I think that comes with the territory sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and he he goes by the nickname Juice. This was not this was not a nickname that we gave him. He came to the party with that nickname, um, and uh, so uh, he he had I think over two terabytes of cont of images and video from the tour. Uh, so there's still quite a bit of material to be used for you know more than just this purpose. Um, and, uh, and yeah, if, if anybody, if you haven't seen those three videos, uh, that are out there, you can go to the Facebook page, right to vape tour on Facebook and, and check them out. I would actually recommend people trying to watch them on YouTube so that we get some, it's, some views on YouTube. I mean, there's like five and I don't know if one of them is like up over 10,000 views on Facebook, but, um, you know, they, they've been out there and it's, I, that content is great because it's, you know, it, it's, it runs the range of, you know, you hear us talking and doing our presentations mm-hmm. at each one of these stops, but also, you know, we're talking to the customers that are frequenting, frequenting these shops. Um, we got, you know, a couple of ma- people who are manufacturing mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and shop owners. And so there's the, you know, the diversity of the vapor uh, space is, is, is being, I think, represented in a, in a well-rounded way okay. there. Um, and, you know, it's sort of a point by point and maybe some highlights of, you know, what we, where we stopped um, along the way. Uh, you know, we were able to have uh, a couple of candidates come out to these events. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it, it, we, Duncan Hunter showed up to our event in Santee, California, outside of San Diego, um, you know, and, and my, my favorite of, of, well, my favorite example of, of, you know, lawmakers coming out was, um, Ron Johnson showing up at the Green Bay Packers tailgate. Um, it was completely unplanned and he just, you know, he was coming to the game to, you know, shake hands and do a little bit of his one-on-one campaigning. Um, and he, you know, was driving around the parking lots and saw the the right to vape tour RV and said, "Oh wait, I can I can park next to those guys." So right. <laughs> he pulled up and spent you know a good half an hour hanging out with us and shaking hands and answering questions from people, the voters, um, and it was it was really great. And we were able to you know, in that one personal interaction, you know, Paul was able to talk to him and say, "Hey." you know, would you be able to take a message to Senate leadership and, and urge them to get this predicate date, date change language in the omnibus? And, right. you know, he had no one had actually approached him about this before. So, 
um, it was it was actually a, a, a bit of a, a breakthrough. It was very fortuitous, mm-hmm. and uh, so that was uh, that, that. I thought that was excellent. Awesome. Um, and then you know, as a, a last ditch, I, I'm not going to be able to name every everybody that we hung out with. I mean, I I, I probably should. You know who you are if you're listening to this. Um, <laughs> But I, I should be able to mention all of the cities, um, but uh, you know. And then uh, going through Pennsylvania, obviously Pennsylvania has. Uh, it's hard to say a fight anymore because you know we didn't get the amendment passed, um, and and they're sort of stuck with this forty percent tax until something can happen in in next year's legislative session. Um, but you know, it was nice at least to be able and to be able to change our, our, our schedule a bit and swing through Harrisburg. Did did you see the, the tax form that they want vapors themselves to fill out? No. They're ordering things <laughs> no, off the internet. Jeannie, can you get a link for that? Because I would like to see that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Chris Hughes posted it. Let me go find it. It's okay. insane. Yeah. Well, this should be yeah. worth seeing. <laughs> oh, so it's like did they want you to self-report? Yes. Oh, monthly. Yeah. So like with your monthly. so like with your internet purchases, your your income tax, the way you're supposed to do that? Yes, but with with vaping, they want you to do it monthly. Oh, of course they do. I mean, how screwed up is that? Let me go find it. I'll I'll mute again, but I just thought I saw that. I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, I'm so glad I moved. It's it's (laughs) it's one of the more outrageous provisions of the 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 tax laws that uh yeah, individual consumers now are unclassified importers. Sorry for the background noise if you can hear that. That's okay. It's the announcement from the PA across the street. (laughs) (laughs) So they're unclassified importers. Oh my god. Oh yay! Yeah, and I don't know exactly how uh, how Department of Revenue. Uh, I, I haven't looked at, at their interpretation uh, thoroughly, uh, but you know, originally the way it was written in the law was um, if you're purchasing from out of state. Mm-hmm. The way that I understood it was if you were purchasing from out of state retailers who are not licensed by Pennsylvania, uh, then you are. As as the consumer, you are responsible for forty percent of the purchase price, <laughs> and okay. and it was very. We, and I've heard other accounts of this, and it, this sounds like something that the DOR may have just come up with their own rule about this. But you know, and and somebody else is talking about this. You know, the way the rule, the way the law is written, versus mm-hmm. how revenue interprets the law. Right. Uh, can be noticeably and wildly different. Um, <clears throat> I'm looking at this form now. Oh, good lord! That is that is wow. <laughs> it's it's crazy. I mean, they made up a special tax form titled "Consumer Tobacco Product Use Excise Tax Return for the Tobacco Products Purchased." On or after October 1st, 2016. It is just so messed. I'm trying really hard not to swear. Um, it, this is just absolutely insane. Uh, 
You know, it's, I don't understand. I can understand like a yearly breakdown, you know, like you're supposed to do with the IRS with your, your gambling winnings. That, that kind of makes sense to me. I I never, wow. I've never, (laughs) that is a first. I mean, I think they want to, they want to make the haul in on a monthly basis because they, (laughs) they they're losing tobacco money monthly. I, right. I don't know, but that's just that's just crazy. That's um, that looks um unworkable uh, to me. Maybe I'm just crazy. Uh, it's it's outrageous, and to be you know the the when I first saw this uh, provision in the tax law, I I thought the only silver lining here is that this will encourage people to shop. Uh, within the state that's right. that's the only the only silver and that's not much of a silver lining um right. but uh yeah so <laughs> i i i've seen some discussion on this and i haven't devoted a whole lot of time to working right. out just how horrible this is because i already know it's horrible and right. to be perfectly honest my feeling is the entire thing should be scrapped mm-hmm. um and yeah. and that's that i don't you know taking that perspective i'm not I don't care about this form. I think it's bullshit and it should be undone. So uh, that's me qualifying, not knowing the granular details of this, but, um, well, but I think that <clears throat> I think everybody who sees it thinks that Jeannie, can you drop that link in the, 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 the chat chat for everybody to see? I don't, I don't think people have experienced the, um, bureaucracy of, of government quite so much yeah and pennsylvania is is special about it from what (laughs) i remember my parents moved away from pennsylvania like 18 years ago and i think it was like for six years the state was still coming after them for property taxes or something it was really (laughs) kind of bizarre like they didn't owe anything it was just the state kept you know trying to squeeze money from (laughs) blood blood from a stone i guess nice yeah, it was strange. For I moved away and I haven't gotten anything, but yeah, who knows? <laughs> hey, get, you know, now that you're uh, now that you're talking about it, you never know. Get right back on their radar. <laughs> oh, it's another just another envelope I'll ignore. <laughs> um. <laughs> that is that is that is you're right. That that's special. That's a special level of wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, all of this awfulness aside, I, it was it was good kind of bittersweet but still good to meet up with everybody in harrisburg and mm-hmm. um you know it wasn't a large crowd it wasn't you know like an anti-tax rally part two it was but it was a it was a good group and these people took the opportunity to walk around the capitol and have meetings with staffers from the various you know we, we met with state senator staffers and state representative staffers and right. you know it was it was a, a brief meeting but mm-hmm. um, there was in in one in particular there was a lot of emotion you know these people are are, are already feeling the tax and sure. they're you know I, I it's just it's soul crushing man I mean these folks have put their life into their business and just trying to comply is is potentially going to ruin them i mean it's 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 really it's disgusting and you know there were tears in these meetings and and i you know 
it's just it it, yeah so but you know we went in with a a a bit of a of an ask it wasn't just you know hey you're ruining my business jerks you know fix this it was you know there's some acknowledgement of this is just the way it is and Mm -hmm. you know the best case scenario is we get this undone as quickly as possible um People may not know, but uh, you know, I, I think it, it's worth saying that um, you know the election had a, a role to play in in this amendment not getting through at the end of session. Right. Um, there were there were some Republican uh, uh, representatives that were um, very timid about voting in, in favor of this or voting against or trying to strip out. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary Jo Daly's uh, kind of Mary Jo Daly basically sandbagged the amendment with this forty percent cigar tax, um, right. and uh, there was some political consideration there that uh, people were unwilling to run the bill and have to vote against a tobacco tax, you know, weeks before the election. Mm-hmm. Um, so that uh, that kind of gummed up the works quite a bit, right. um, but. Uh, you know, the ask is, is simple and that is, you know, fixing this needs to be made a priority. And I, yeah. I, I, I quote said, you know, uh, like within the first week of the legislative session, you need to start yeah. making uh, advances on this because, you know, these folks aren't going to, to some extent, I think people, <laughs> the other thing that I saw, and I don't know if this is stuck, but um, there's a prohibition on wholesalers selling into the state making uh, adjustments mm-hmm. for the people buying from them. So even, you know, the retailers and the manufacturers can't, um, are, are mm-hmm. maybe prohibited from uh, trying to help out the, these these retailers, which mm-hmm. is just, it's just, I mean, it just, you know, you just kind of turn the knife, like it's not enough to, you know, punish the consumer, but you, you've got to, you know, it, these businesses are already willing to take a hit to their their profits, right? In, in order to, to keep these products on the market, mm-hmm. I, I just I don't. It, there's just no consideration given to these people who, who just want to sell a product that's helping people. Right. Um, and it, yeah, sorry for all the noise. I, I'm surrounded no. by people that apparently live like animals. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, yeah, but your home, you're in your own home. You get to sleep in your own bed using your own pillow, and you're not driving. It's true. I, I have so, to say that did throw me for a loop, though, um, that there was a picture of you posted on Facebook, Alex, and I thought, that's not a bus. That's not even a hotel room. This can't be the, real. The RV? No, you were in somebody's house. Oh no! That yeah, that's uh, uh, that that's my, my wife took that picture. That's me sitting in our living room. Uh, I got I discovered on the tour that I, I need glasses. I I don't believe it. I still think the photo. I think it's Photoshop. I I can't. I just can't believe it. So you you're actually there's a Alex. My God, not standing in front of a bus. Yeah, I'm home. I'm I'm home as hard as I possibly can be. Yeah, that's got to feel good. 
this weekend was my first full weekend home uh, in like a month and a half. So I took full advantage of it. Good for you. Yeah. Oh, I like your glasses. They're yeah. good. They work well too. I can see, I can see the New York City skyline in vivid detail now. Nice. It's like it's like the difference between regular TV and high def. I don't know. I, I didn't know what I was missing all of these years. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you weren't in India looking at the smog, I guess. The uh, the uh, the smoke from people burning crops. Yeah. Well. Um, did you did you see the pictures of of India early morning in India? From COP seven, yeah, like I had read I read something briefly took. about that, and it's just yeah, it's uh, it's just covered in smoke. Apparently, that's an annual thing. They just burn their crops, and yeah. Yeah. everybody deals with it. So, but you know, hay. hey, at, at least they're working on strict tobacco control laws. Well, it wasn't just the thing that threw me for the loop was how hard they went after vapor products at the end. Yeah, I've been kind of just catching bits and pieces because I I haven't focused hard on this, but uh, so I, I did this global prohibition on vapor products. Is that they, that's does what that they really stay in? Uh, that's what they want governments to do. They're looking to make the governments more muscular in their tobacco control efforts, and and one of the first things they want to do is to get rid of vapor products. They want governments to prohibit them. Yeah, that sounds really stupid. That sounds uh, help. That's helpful, huh? Good guys, World Health Organization, looking out for you. I guess they. I don't know what the structure is, but I guess they benefit somehow from tobacco taxes as well. Oh yeah, that's, that's why they. It, yeah, you can tell because every year they're like, keep raising it, keep raising it. Um, one of the more interesting things I found was it's called the Taxpayer Protection League or something. Um, they went through the World Health Organization's records and they, I, I guess they're out there, you know, like all NGOs are, are supposed to be to some degree and found out who was paying their taxes to them and who wasn't. And the amount of people not paying their dues and stuff to the World Health Organization is stunning. And it, it's just funny. That's all the countries that you see going, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Uh, to the World Health Organization every year and trying to implement their stuff. So so everybody not paying their fees to the WHO is just mm -hmm. sort of nodding their head and smiling at these draconian tobacco regulations? Pretty much. They're just kind of like, yeah, yeah, sure, we'll do what you want. You know, we'll make it look like we're doing what you want, and then they kind of go their own way. Mm -hmm. um, their structure is very strange. The World Health Organization yeah. likes to have things enmeshed in law, but if you don't enforce the laws, what is the point? Sounds like a really useful organization. They're they're doing great work. Great, yeah. great work. <sighs> but hey, you know, um, things look hopeful, more hopeful here, which is that that's a big change. I, I it is. Say that. It, it is. Um, it has not, however, uh, diminished the threat at the state and local level. Um, I think you actually. I was. I was looking through your um, nicotine daily, and yeah. I thought it was it Louisville, Kentucky. Yes. It, yeah. So Louisville, Kentucky is looking at expanding their indoor clean air law, 
And I can't remember if it was that they were going to expand it to include vaping and vapor shops, uh, which they may, they may not have already done. Um, but, uh, you know, the local fight is going to be even more important uh, next year. Uh, the body parts groups already know this. We have known it for a while, but have not, um, I think, effectively mobilized or, you know, organized some sort of local strategy. Uh, and it's very difficult. And to be perfectly honest, monitoring all of the local um, legislation is wildly expensive. Uh, and we just can't, there's nobody in this space other than the tobacco companies can afford that. So, um, you know, what we are, you know, working out something for, for going forward forever. Um, so uh, that's, that's one of the projects on the list for, you know, mm -hmm. the next six months. Um, and uh, yeah, and then, you know, at the state level, uh, you know, like I said earlier, we've got a good, section of the country with Republican controlled legislatures that we may feel somewhat safe in. Uh, but that's as you know, Indiana is a good example of that. Pennsylvania is another example. Um, that's, there's not enough security to even, you know, hang your coat on, uh, right. in, in those instances. So, uh, the, the state governments are going to be, uh, you know, coming after these products for taxes again, especially, you know, if, if we do get the changes that we need at the federal level, right. um, I think the states will, will start looking even more seriously at the states that we may not have expected will be looking at these products more seriously for oh, yeah. some sort of income stream. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's always, there's always a dark lining to the slightly ever so silver cloud, yeah. but I mean, it, it's nice to just have a little bit of hope. That's unusual. Yeah, and, and you know, and it's not just from the the legislative side of things. We've seen, you know, the New York Times actually put out an article uh, the last week. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's practically an about face for them. Um, oh yeah. We, we've seen some, you know, measured. I, I, I'm a bit reluctant to say positive, but we've seen some measured articles coming from sources that. Uh, in the past have published some very inflammatory things about vapor products. So um, it's possible. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, I think, I think we'll see some efforts next year to, uh, you know, work on the public understanding of these products. That would be awesome. That's case in case in point, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Greg, Gregory Conley put up a billboard in North Dakota not a lot of people in North Dakota, but still, you know, yeah. that was something that I watched that happen from, you know, <laughs> from inception to execution. It was, uh, it was, uh, well done. Right. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. You're like, so you were on the ground floor of the, I'm with the band man tour. <laughs> <laughs> I, was the, I was the driver. Yeah. Uh, I, I put, I put a, a a little over 6,000 miles on that thing. Paul Blair drove for a little bit. Uh, we let we let Gregory drive uh, for probably about an hour. Um, and it was just, it wasn't all that comfortable. So we <laughs> told him not to drive. <laughs> We're done. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're home. I'm glad to be home too. We've missed you. Mondays haven't been, Mondays haven't been the same. 
Tell yeah, me. I don't I don't know what I was thinking. I, I had imagined we were supposed to have Wi-Fi on the RV, but that uh, one of those units got lost and the other one stopped working at some point. So um, we just didn't. And, you know, there were data limits and, and yeah. were, we did have a budget. It wasn't, you know, just a free for all. Sure. Um, so I, I thought we were going to have a little bit more Wi-Fi capability than we ended up having. But, uh, you know, no, it didn't, no. didn't quite work out. No, in fact, yeah, and I know Barry and I had talked about it, but this was after you left. I was like, gee, I, I should have had him just, you know, record just stuff on his cell phone to send through. His, like, you could have sent it to my cell phone and I could have played it on the air, actually. Well, if we ever have to do another RV tour, um, I'll we'll keep that in mind. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. It might have been easier, but uh, I'm glad you're back, and it's good to hear that it was such a positive experience and coming back and getting refreshed and recharged for the challenges ahead. It was. I, I had I had a good time. It was it was a lot of work, but I tell you, you know, for seeing that part of the country where we were, mm-hmm. um, it was just that that's kind of amazing to see that out of a big big window um and you know getting to meet all of these people and help to share their story and hopefully i I hopefully kind of rile people up a bit um you know that was that was a big part of this so um it was it was it was a good experience it was a rewarding experience and uh i i I may be the i may be the only one i think gregory would do it but uh, if we have to do it again i I would I would be excited for it. Yeah. So I don't blame you. I mean, it, it, from the videos and from your description of it, it, it sounds like even though it was a lot of hard work and everybody was a little bit out of their element, that it was a good positive experience. So yeah, yeah, I'm, je- I'm totally jealous. I'm totally <laughs> jealous. Well, we'll swing down to Florida and pick you up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, <laughs> I, I need to take FMLA leave. Why? Never you mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can do that. Well, do you think that's it for this week, Alex? Um, I think so. Uh, you know, we're uh, looking forward to see how um, President Trump's, President-elect Trump's cabinet appointments go um these are things that everybody you know every everybody in the world is paying attention to but (laughs) um some of that definitely has a direct uh effect on us um so that'll be coming out in the next week um and uh yeah you know we're keeping our eye on this budget thing and and where that's going to lead us Mm -hmm. um and uh yeah, I, I think that's it. Uh, I should bring it up again just because okay. uh, it, it's ongoing. Okay. Uh, I don't have a date, but I did speak with Bill Godshaw when we were in Pittsburgh. Um, the Allegheny County indoor use ban is still moving its way through the process. Yeah. Um, yes, it people, is. people on the ground in Pittsburgh. I actually got, I took that photo of uh, we were in inside um, uh, Steel City Vapors. Mm-hmm. in uh in pittsburgh and uh they had 
coverage from the floor of the house in in Harrisburg mm-hmm. on their big TV in there. Wow. Um, so those those folks have been engaged in in the Allegheny County uh, regulation from the beginning. Awesome. Uh, so uh, there are a handful of engaged people in Allegheny County. There needs to be more. Um, I, I, I don't know if anybody read the article that came out. I put a quote in there that you know basically said it looks like people who vape don't care whether yeah. or not this law passes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's something that you know, and I would I should hope that people would uh, at least get a bit more engaged uh, in that in that issue and, and all of these going forward. So, yeah, rays of shun rays of sunshine, but there's still many many storms on the horizon. So, um, yeah. But that's what you're here for. Yep, we're all here for. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna wish you a good night. Um, go have dinner, relax, rest that arm, <laughs> and we'll talk to you next week. Awesome! I will be home next week. So awesome! Looking forward to it. Awesome! Thank you, Alex. All right. Thanks. Have a good night. Bye. Good night. That was a slightly long update. We haven't really had one of those in a while. Um, Julie's going to fire me. Why? (laughs) Julie's going to fire you. She can't fire you. Technically, she can fire me. She can't fire you. (laughs) Doesn't work that way. They all all tend to go long when when I'm on the recording. So maybe I should just shut the hell up. Yeah, but it had been months and months and months since we did one. So don't worry about it. It's all cool. I promise. It's cool. Yeah, you know, and it was good it was a long update, because, you know, I, I was crawling about under my desk looking at cables. <laughs> <laughs> you live the most exciting life, very... I don't know how you stand it. <laughs> you haven't seen the amount of cables down the back of my computer. <laughs> it I'm, is an I'm, exciting life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's like snakes on a plane back there. So, um, so, is that that quiet? Um, <laughs> oh God! Yeah, is uh, it all all the time, all that, that hour. Uh, yeah, that's what I've been doing. I think I oh, fixed wow. the audio, but uh, lost well, the test. We're here now. We're yeah. Here. So we'll make the most of this. Um, I really didn't want to bring up President Camacho. Um. <laughs> But I, I, I kind of had to. Um, Jeannie and I were talking a little bit before we came on. I guess, has anybody seen his interview? The one with on Barbara Walters? Yeah. That's not Barbara Walters. No, Barbara, he had an interview with Barbara Walters too, but I'm talking about that's from a few years ago. Oh. And you contrast it yeah, to yeah, the yeah. one from last night. It's like they're two different people. And then you contrast it to him when he's doing a rally, it's like it's a third different person. So I, I have a theory on that. Okay. Though. All right. Um, number one, the guy's never been a Republican per se. No, he, he is a Democrat through and through. Yeah. But go ahead. But I think what people are not realizing, and, and I have said this repeatedly over and over and over again, that, that uh, campaign trails are ugly. Oh, yeah. Historically, 
they are ugly. And and I don't care who the hell you're talking about. Um, they everybody talks a big line of shit during campaigns, mm-hmm. and they they say horrible things about the people they're running against. Um, you know, I mean, just take a look at the things that Hillary Clinton said about President Obama when they <laughs> were campaigning against each other. Um, right. And she went on to be his Secretary of State and talk about how wonderful he was and how much she respected him. Blah 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 blah. So, mm-hmm. uh, what I think. Everybody saw it now, and I, I didn't vote for either one of them, but I mm-hmm. think what everybody saw during the campaigns was the celebrity apprentice Donald Trump. And I don't know if it was that. I think what you saw was, and I've read a few articles, but go ahead, finish your statement. Go and ahead. and I think what we saw in 60 Minutes might have been um, some of the Donald Trump billionaire businessman i'm not saying that i think he's either one of those things but i will say that i think both of those things are parts of him okay does that make sense i think yeah it does i i was reading about his political strategy and his campaign managers were saying there's there's no way to win there is no we cannot we can't pull this off there's no way to win um and then they started doing their own call in you know their own calling um polls which were completely different from the other ones they they relied on something called oversampling um and what they found was that there was this absolute fucking rage in a place called the rust belt okay um the rust belt is a place that was the dust bowl okay where manufacturing moved to and and farmers went and got jobs and they were able to take care of their family country folk you know genie like i know like very knows um most country people take real pride in being able to change their own tires fix their own problems build their own furniture and take care of their families um once things like NAFTA started spreading, thank you, fucking Clinton. Thank you, Bill fucking Clinton, for that. Once they deregulated the banks, those people really started getting the screws and their jobs started going out of the country. The money started moving offshore, and these people were stuck on government dole. And no one wants to do that. No one wants to take money from the government if you don't have to. Everybody wants to be self-reliant. That's like a point of pride for for people in the Rust Belt, which used to be the American farmer, which is no more. Um, and, and that's that's down here though too. Yeah, it's where I'm from too. Uh, so many farmers, so many farms went under, and then we had manufacturing, and manufacturing was it's it's shitty boring work but it pays the bills and you can take care of your family and you can have a relatively decent life and your kids will have a better life than you did rural america in general is just and city people just don't get it they Mm -hmm. really they they just don't but if you take a look at the election map um most of those red places that you see all over there are are rural areas they're non-city dwellers and yep. it's it's crazy um up up where i was from um yeah seems really weird to say that but um we there was an ethan allen factory mm-hmm. it's gone oh yeah they're all gone all um, those jobs have moved other places 
where they can be competitive. Yeah, Cooper Power Systems, where I used to work, um, mm -hmm. there there were oh, a thousand people employed there, and a thousand people doesn't seem like a lot. Well, but when you're talking about a thousand households, when you're talking about a small town, though, most yeah. small towns build up around one manufacturing plant. They um. Well, Cooper Power Systems has sent so many of the lines in that factory to mm -hmm. Mexico now that there are literally, and I'm not even kidding, there are more office staff than there are people on the factory floor because yep. they're all in Mexico now. Yep. Um, the only big, um, Ingersoll Rand used to be Dresser Clark, then it was Dresser Rand, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, they just laid off a shit ton of people. Yeah. Um, so the the only place there, the Zippo, Zippo is little of nothing anymore. Uh, the only right. Zippo factory in the world is 18 miles from where I was born and raised. But, you know, they have little to nothing as far as production. Um, oh, sure. The, the only big employer that's still there is Alcas. It's Cutco Cutlery. Right. Um, and Alcas is the parent company. Um, mm -hmm. th there, there's three. There's it's Alcas, it's Cutco, Cutlery, and it's Vector Marketing, and and they own Case mm -hmm. Knives, Case Case Knives or K Bar. I don't know. They own they own one of the big sporting knives companies. But um, and you know they're not doing great. You know mm -hmm. all of these rural communities are are suffering big time i think the one benefit that that i see down here mm -hmm. versus up there mm -hmm. um people neighbor down here right you know paul went over yeah. to talk to the neighbor today and he comes back and he's like oh yeah it was gonna freeze so they pulled all these out of their garden and here you go and hands me two and a half gallons of green peppers fresh out of the garden <laughs> Nice. And two turnips the size of heads of cabbage. Wow. And yeah, I mean. You know, he, he took them over eggs. You know, we had an abundance of eggs in the refrigerator. And every time that happens, we Paul takes them around and gives them to the neighbors. Mm -hmm. um, and, and up home, you know, we gave eggs to everybody around us in the, in the neighborhood. Um, mm -hmm. The most we ever got was a, oh, thank you. Yeah, it, it, it is a different way of life, but what I was going to say is when you, when you take away a person's ability to provide for their family, that makes them very angry. That is why the working man looked at this election and said, fuck it. You're really not giving me anybody to vote for. I can't vote for Jill Stein, you know. Um, I can't vote for... I can't. A lot of people felt they couldn't vote for Gary Johnson because they were in a swing state, and they really weren't going to vote for Clinton because they didn't want a him back in the White House because he'd sold out their jobs, and b they really didn't trust her. Miss, you have to have a public and a private persona. Miss, let the banks be in charge of how the money is made for the government. Really, because when you deregulated them, they bankrupted all those people. You can kind of understand it. I can understand it. Logically standing back and looking at it. What I can't fucking understand is why you've got people...
going after pregnant white women with baseball bats who are trying to get to the fucking hospital because they're white and they might have voted for Trump. That's the thing I have a real problem with. It's not how democracy works. It's Sorry. It's this, the entire election campaign cycle was ugly. Mm-hmm. What's going on now, I, I am finding absolutely horrific. Um, I don't, I don't support KKK marches. I, I think it's, I think it's a god awful way to be. To Mm -hmm. hate people just because they look different from you is, is Mm -hmm. fucking disgusting to me. Right. But I also have to say that I think some asshole standing around with a sign that says "Rape Molina." Um. Yeah. Is yeah is is the the sickest piece of shit that I have ever seen. Um, who who the hell can do that? Oh, um, well, it's not, are, it's not people, what I meant. You, mm. It was it was an implication, blah, blah, blah. No, you're a, you're a, you're a <laughs> piece of shit. Well, I mean, here's the thing. A lot of those people, if you... I would urge you to go through the Craigslist for the nearest major me- metropolitan area to you. If you want to know something about these protests and look for Trump protesters because people are getting paid more than I make an hour. They're being hired full time to do it and they're being paid by. Well, they're being paid by some there. Yeah. Soros move on. That's him as well. Um, What is it? The, the new American century organizations paying them. There's a bunch of organizations that are just throwing money at this left and right. And I think what they're trying to do is make the election of Donald Trump look so bad to try to force the Electoral College to roll its votes to Hitler. Um, Which, that's not how this works. Even if you accept that this shit was, this shit happened because of rigging. And the numbers were so big, Hitler didn't rig enough. She didn't believe it was a possibility. Is my take on this? Well, it, I don't. I don't buy into any of the rigging things. We've talked about that before. Well, the, when you look at the data, the amount of uh, voter fraud going on is tiny compared to the size of the electorate. Oh no, and I agree I mean, with you on that. But your yeah. vote doesn't really matter yeah. all that much either. But, but yeah, um, I I, I kind of agree that yeah. All the recent elections that we've experienced. Uh, right. Scottish referendum here, Brexit mm-hmm. here, right. parliamentary elections here, now your mm-hmm. presidential race. Yep. Um, Suddenly we've got bigots everywhere. Well, the people in the United States need have... to get their own fucking words, well, though. They, they really do, because, Vera, have... do you know how many times I've heard in the past two weeks that, you know, this is our Brexit? I mean, come yeah. on, people. I, I'm gonna, completely different. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you. I don't think everybody's a bigot. No, I don't know why, but they're the ones I, that get in the media. So. Right, but I, well, of course they are because the media is biased. There's something called media control, and yeah. I, I would actually urge people because I read stuff from the left, I read stuff from the right. I don't do a whole lot of television viewing because I like my brain cells. I think I'm much smarter since I shut off TV. Uh, I don't need to be entertained 24-7. I think TV is like a drug. Um, 
So I think I'm much happier without it. Um, and I think I learned a lot more. I learned to rely on my own brain and my own capacity for thought. But people just want jobs. When you take away people's jobs and you put them on what they call benefits without having to do anything, people feel lost and aimless a lot of times with no purpose. And most people I know who are, I don't want to say lower, and it's because they're not low-class people. They're, they're blue-collar people. A lot of their identity comes from their work. You take that away from someone, they have a really hard time with it. There was an experiment in the 50s um and i think i've i've talked about um rat park in relation to drugs they built something called mouse utopia right where everybody had this beautiful like nice high-rise sort of place but nobody had to do anything they could have all the sex they wanted they could have all the fun they wanted they could drink or whatever Anything was available to them, and they were given everything. After three generations, what happened is that the female mice would give birth and walk away from the mice. You know, if you survived, great. If not, whatever. Um, some areas of the mouse high-rise started using resources more inadequately, even though everyone had access to equal and more than what they needed. You had, um, they were burning shit down. They were rioting, basically. However, rats do that. And the next generation that came along had no interest in sex. They would eat and groom themselves, but they were stupid as hell. Um, and I think people know that some of that correlates to their experience in life. And they don't want that for their future. People want to have purpose. Having a job is part of people's purpose in a lot of ways for a lot of people. Taking that away is hideous. I See think. the film High Rise. <laughs> that sort of relates to it, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, the worry, the most worrying thing for me, um, incidentally, is first British politician Trump met with personally. Farage. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no, two idiots in a room. <laughs> yeah. I think. Stroking each other's big egos and <laughs> having yeah. fun. So, I mean, if you think Trump is running things, I think you're out of your mind. Oh no, I don't. Yeah. You know, I think. I he's think being Pence, played. <laughs> he's being played, but I think Pence is going to call the shots because Pence is the only one who really has governmental experience. Oh, God help Christ, all Jim. the fucking vapors. That's all I can tell you. Oh my God, that's terrifying. And I say that every time, you know, I mean, people are like, oh, this one should be shot, that one should be shot, blah, blah, blah. And this whole presidential cycle, I'm like, you people need to shut the hell up. Because seriously, you look at either one of them's vice choices. Mm -hmm. Those those two were more terrifying than Trump and Clinton. Um, I I just can't imagine. Uh, I, yeah, no. Oh God, Jan, that gives I me the shivers. Believe, That's a horrible thought. I can't believe that. Looking. Oh yeah. Well, her VP pick was. He was. He was as bad as Trump. 
he'd talk over you. He, you know, I, I can't imagine where he was a good choice for Hitler at all. Um, politically, they underestimated the fact that people were angry, angry at the the processes that were put in place. And I read something. I usually read a lot of stuff from something called Project Syndicate. And I read this this piece, right? And it talked about how all of these great trade treaties were equalizing everything and making things better for the world. And when it came to what happened here, they said, and of course, you know, a white man won't stand for a lower standard of living. Look, lady, a lot of white people living a lower standard of living means that they're eating ramen noodles living in an apartment with a leaky roof. Reality wasn't always that way. But it's okay for that to happen here because these people are white. But it's not okay for that same thing to happen in India. I don't, I don't understand the disconnect from the elites to people who are living in the same world that they are. I don't think they think of us as human. And I'm going to say, I think you should be aware of the Purple Revolution. Uh, if anybody's paying attention to the alternative media, you know what that is. Um, that's the group of people who want to overturn the electoral college vote. And yet the same thing happened over after Brexit. They want to have another referendum, don't they, Very People who didn't fucking bother getting their ass out of bed to go vote now want their chance to vote. Yep. Right. The same thing seems to happen here. Looking at the actual numbers, 49% of our populace did not even vote. They were saying yeah, turnout I, was yeah, amazing. I, mean, I, I, blame the, I blame the way people are brought up these days. Because, yeah, yeah, it's notorious. People make jokes out of it. But you, you get, you know, you get this. Everybody gets a medal thing when they take part in sports in school. I agree. You know, there are no losers. Then it comes to an election and they lose, and they're like, yeah, but you complain and bitch and <laughs> complain, bitch, get paid more than I make an hour to go out and protest, yeah. and it brings out the worst in society, which is a shame. This happens every time there's an election. I was not thrilled when Barack Obama won for a second time. I I was actually looking at the drone strikes, the amount of war we were involved in our overseas policies and politics, what was happening here in America to the middle class, which I'm quote unquote a member of, but not really. I'm a member of the new working poor, just like most of my country. Um, watching that happen to us and happen to the world scared the shit out of me. And I said, everybody thinks this is a good guy. What happened to the anti-war left? What happened to the left that cared about being surveilled? What happened to these people? How the fuck did this happen? Just because you think a good guy is in charge, all this shit suddenly becomes okay, but you elect someone that everybody says is a monster and it's all horrible? I, I don't understand the fucking disconnect from these people. Uh, I find myself more anti-war than most of the straight, down-the-middle left people that I speak to on a regular basis, and that's terrifying to me. Because that used to be the one thing I really admired about the Democrats. They were anti-war. They were all for your privacy. All of these things that are like the backbone of the things I care about were democratic. They were 
things that I grew up with. They were important to everyone. And now they don't matter for anything. I, I don't get that. At all. Um, so the, there's a, just a big disconnect on all sides. And now you've got people pissed off that things didn't go their way. And somebody's offering the money to act like an asshole. And they're going to act like an asshole in a big way. Uh, Jeannie. Yeah, Jan, what? <laughs> I was going to ask you, have you heard anything about the pipeline? Because I know you were talking about it the last time. No, and I keep, and that's the thing is, you know, where is, and I'm still pissed off that there's not more outrage over this. I, I really am. It, it just, everybody's bitch, everybody's so focused on what politician's going to be in a big, big white house on the hill. And, and I'm sitting here like, so how how about we pay attention to the fact that we're fucking up water supplies everywhere? Well, now you're asking far too much. Um, Apparently, the last thing I can see, CNBC, the Army Corps wants more study on Dakota Access Pipeline. You know, don't you I think don't, they should have fucking done that before they said, like, okay, go ahead? Well, the engineers were told by four different companies that this was not a way to go. That there were better ways to go that were areas that were over sand. And, you know what I mean? And don't even get me started on the Army Corps engineers, Vary, because, you know, I, I leased land from the Seneca Nation of Indians on the Allegheny River where it goes into the Kinzu Dam Reservoir. And if you don't know the history of that... Uh, <laughs> they they took land that was given to the Seneca Nation Indians and said, you know what, we need to flood this now. We're we're awful sorry that you have towns and graveyards and and villages all over here. Um, go move over there. Oh yeah, we'll move we'll move your graveyard. Well, I got fucking news for you. My father is my father has dove that site. There's a lot of that. They never moved. They they they. Gave it to the Indians. Well, number one, we, we took it off from the Indians. And then uh -huh. we said, okay, you go over here. We'll give you this back. And then they said, oh, well, you know what? We need this. And when several other better sites were provided to them, they said, no, we're doing this. Um, yeah. So so the Armored Corps, Corps of Engineers has, has fucked over Native Americans for a very, very long time. Well, And I don't no, see not, an end to it. Not, the, Army, the Army Corps of Engineers and your... Yeah, your country. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic record they've got. The whole straightening of the Mississippi. I mean, that turned out real well. Um, <laughs> all the flooding that caused. Um. <laughs> My favorite thing they ever did is there was a town, three towns over from us, and they needed to build a bridge, and they needed to build a bridge up a hill. It's up a hill. You know what a hill is? It's not a steep incline, right? They built a bridge that went straight up. Straight up like a fucking roller coaster and then straight down. <laughs> and the best part was it was over a protected waterway. So in the winter, you couldn't salt it. So they had to close this road every winter. Good, good road building. Uh, Fantastic. And I got to tell you, the, the overpass um, interchange between Interstate 635 and Interstate 30 in Dallas is mm -hmm. like that. Um, this thing is, is fucking terrifying when it's dry. <laughs> I, I hated it. I I absolutely hate it. When it rained, you didn't mm -hmm. go over it. You couldn't. Yeah. Of course, but that, you know, when it rains in, in Dallas, Texas, 
um, the the heavens open up and six inches of water falls in like a half an hour. Um, but I mean, besides that, yeah, I mean, it's just terrifying. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, we had an engineer one time when I, at the company I used to work for that, that decided he was going to re, re going to lay out one of the assembly lines different. Okay. And, and of course, you know, are going to do it over the weekend when nobody's there, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, but when, when the plans were copied, they weren't mirrored. Mm-hmm. So when the plans were copied, they were backwards, which was great, which was great for somebody like me who is predominantly Mm left-handed for everybody else. It was an absolute disaster. But, um, yeah, so, so the whole Dakota pipeline thing, you know, people act like the, the Indian nations are making too much of this. No, they're not. They're not making enough of this. Um, everybody else isn't making enough of this. Mm-hmm. I I can't for the life of me figure out why more groups are not up in arms over this. You know, I'm still pissed off about the 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 Exxon Valdez. I am still <laughs> pissed off. I am. I am still I pissed off about the Gulf of Mexico. Um mm-hmm. You know, yeah, Deepwater Horizon. The, the the spill in the Gulf of Mexico happened when oil companies were recording the highest profits in history. Not recent history, in mm-hmm. history. These people were raking in more money than any other group on the fucking planet. Mm-hmm. How much of that was put into developing ways to efficiently and immediately clean up their fucking messes zero less than zero negative amounts there's my problem well i mean we've talked about this before there's there's many types of capitalism and this is why people think i'm far more to the, the middle and closer to the left than i actually show on the political compass um, because I am and I'm not. Uh, I'm influenced a lot of by what is happening to vaping companies. And when I answer those political tests, I answer that way instead of probably maybe the way I actually think. There is a form of capitalism. Um, basically, Adam Smith wrote Wealth of Nations, um, which is great 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 book if you want to understand money and fungibility and what money really is and we've talked about this before you are your money you are the wealth of nations your capacity to work is what funds the nation states you are the wealth of nations you are technically currency Mm -hmm. um people don't get that you would need to read adam smith to understand it but he talked about a form of ethical capitalism and getting businesses to pick up the tab so that there wasn't this inequality that we see happening before us really badly um he wrote an amazing book he wrote about money he wrote about poor people he wrote about how you take care of them and and the things that you need to do to create balance I really do think you need balance. I think 
there is no human there's no human capacity that um, is going to there is no way to replace the human capacity for the wealth of nations although I think people are trying um, businesses have become very entrenched in making money for their shareholders, that is all they care about, that isn't all they used to care about. And it was a different world when they actually put profits back into their businesses to try to make them better. Um, when they would reinvest their money in the workers and in the plants and in the buildings and the businesses and the surrounding communities, you don't see that happen anymore because there's no incentive to do it. The incentive is just to make more and more and more and more. That's how you kill capitalism. In my honest opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. So I do honestly probably lean more to the left side of the political compass on the libertarian side, more towards Adam Smith's teachings. Um, simply because I think it's, it's an ethical way we can all share the planet. Um, I don't think we're sharing it in an ethical way now. Uh, and I know this show has been really fun. Because <laughs> all we've done is chat about these fucking elections and these fucking people. So I'm thinking I'm going to read a story. Does somebody want to pick one? <laughs> Culture of childhood. There you go. Let's change uh, the topic. Yes, it right is. <laughs> okay. The Culture of Childhood. We've almost destroyed it. I don't want to trivialize the roles of adults in a child's lives, but truth be told, we adults greatly exaggerate our roles in the theories and beliefs about how children develop. We have this adult-centric view that we raise, socialize, and educate children. Certainly, we are important in children's lives. Children need us. We feed, clothe, shelter, and comfort them. We provide examples, not always so good, of what it is like to be an adult, but we don't raise, socialize, or educate them. They do all that themselves, and in the process, they are far more likely to look to other children than to us adults as role models. If child psychologists were actually child psychologists, children, theories of child development would be, would be much less about parents and much more about peers. Children are biologically designed to grow up in a culture of childhood. If you ever notice how your child's taste in clothes, music, manners, speech, hobbies, and almost everything else have much more to do with what other children she or he knows are doing them what you are doing or like? Of course you have. Children are biologically designed to pay attention to other children in their lives, to try to fit in with them, to be able to do what they do, to know what they know. Throughout most of human history, that's how children became educated, and that's still largely how children become educated today, despite our misguided attempts to turn the educating job over to adults. Whenever anthropologists have observed traditional cultures and paid attention to children as well as adults, they've observed two cultures, the adults' culture and the children's culture. The two cultures are, of course, not completely independent of one another. They interact and influence each other, and children as they grow up gradually leave the culture of childhood and enter into the culture of adulthood. Children's cultures can be understood, at least to some degree, as practice cultures, where children try out various ways of being and practice, modify, and build upon the skills and values of adult culture. I first began to think seriously about cultures of childhood when I began looking into banned hunter-gather societies. 
In my reading and in my survey of anthropologists who had lived in such societies, I learned that children in these societies, from roughly the age of four on through their mid-teen years, spent most of their waking time playing and exploring in groups of other children away from adults. They played in age-mixed groups in which younger children emulated and learned from older ones. I found that anthropologists who had studied children in other types of traditional cultures also wrote about children's involvement in peer groups as the primary means of their socialization and education. Judith Harris, in a discussion of such research, noted that the popular phrase, it takes a village to raise a child, is true if interpreted differently from the usual Western interpretation. In her words, the reason it takes a village is not because it requires a quorum of adults to nudge erring youngsters back into their paths of righteousness. It takes a village because in a village there are always enough kids to form a playgroup. I also realized, as I thought about this, that in my own childhood in Minnesota and Wisconsin in the 50s, was in many ways like that of children in traditional societies. We had school, which was not the big deal it is today, and chores, and some of us had part-time jobs, but still most of our time was spent with other children away from adults. My family moved frequently, and in each city or neighborhood to which I moved, I found a somewhat different childhood culture, with different games, different traditions, somewhat different values, different ways of making friends. Whenever we moved, my first big task was to figure out the culture of my new set of peers so I could become part of it. I was by nature shy, which I think was an advantage because I didn't just blunder in and make a fool of myself. I observed, studied, and practiced the skills I saw to be important to my new peers and then began to cautiously enter in and make friends. In the mid-20th century, a number of researchers described and documented many of the childhood cultures that could still be found in neighborhoods throughout Europe and the United States. Children learn the most important lessons from other children, not from adults. Why, in the course of natural selection, did human children evolve such a strong inclination to spend as much time as possible with other children and avoid adults? With a little reflection, it's not hard to see the reasons. There are many valuable lessons that children can learn in interactions with other children, away from adults that they cannot learn, or are much less likely to learn, in interactions with adults. Here are some of them. Authentic communication. I don't know if this is true or isn't true in traditional cultures, but in modern Western culture, adults are terribly condescending towards children. Their communications with children, especially the well-intended ones, are frequently dishonest. Consider, for example, the adult who asks a four-year-old, what color is that, while pointing to a red toy fire engine. This is not an honest question. Unless the adult is colorblind or blind, the adult knows perfectly well what color it is. A child would never ask such a stupid question. Most all the questions that teachers ask through grades of school are dishonest. The teacher knows the answer or thinks she does because she read it in the teacher's edition of the textbook. So the question is not really a question, it's a test. Or consider the adult who says, oh, that's beautiful, what a wonderful artist you are, while looking at a child's latest scribbling. Children never give such false praise to one another. Even as children grow older, adults tend to engage them in ways that suggest that either the adults or the children are idiots, and often their comments have more to do with trying to teach children something or control them in some way than with genuine attempts to share ideas or really understand the children's ideas. Little children communicate with one another largely in the context of play, and the communications have real meaning. They negotiate about what and how to play. They discuss the rules. They negotiate in ways very similar to the ways adults negotiate with one another. This is far better practice for future adult-adult communications than some kind of conversation that children generally continually have with adults. As children get older, especially once they're in their teens, their communications with one another have ever more to do with emotions and the struggles they experience. They can be honest with their friends because their friends are not going to overreact and try to assume control the way their parents or other adults might. They want to talk about the issues important in their life, but they don't want to they don't want someone whose issues 
will use issues as another excuse to subordinate them. They can, with good reason, trust their friends in ways they cannot trust their parents or teachers. Independence and courage. The ultimate goal of childhood is to move away from dependence on parents and establish oneself as one own person. Already by the age of two, when children's favorite word is no, children are clearly on this path. Typically by the age of four or later, children want to get away from parents and other adults and spend time with children, where they can try out ways of being that they couldn't try in the presence of adults. Children's cultures often set themselves up as if in opposition to adult culture, often quite deliberately and adaptively. Even young children begin to use scatological, naughty words, deliberately flouting adult rules dictates. They delight in mocking adults and finding ways to violate rules. For example, when schools make rules about carrying even toy weapons into school, children bring, bring tiny guns and plastic knives to school in their pockets and surreptitiously exhibit them to one another, proudly showing how they violated a senseless adult-imposed rule. The anthropologist Colin Turbo noted that children in the hunter-gatherer group he studied build their own play huts well away from the main encampment and would spend some of their time there mocking the adults by exaggerating their blunders and poorly constructed arguments. To learn adaptively from adults, children must not just absorb the good they see, but must also judge and digest the bad, and they can't freely do that when adults are present. Part of gaining independence is gaining courage. Courage to face challenges and deal with emergencies that are part of everyday life. In their play groups away from adults, children play in ways that adults might see as dangerous and might prevent. They play with sharp knives and fire, climb trees, and dare one another to go higher. Little children in fantasy play imagine themselves dealing with trolls, witches, dragons, wolves, and other kinds of predators and murderers. In all such play, children are learning how to manage fear, a crucial skill for anyone who intends to stay alive and well in the face of real dangers that confront everyone at some point in their lives. And play amongst themselves, children create their own activities to solve their own problems rather than rely on a powerful authority figure to do this for them. This is one of the great values of playing away from adults. In such play, they have to, as it were, be the adults precisely because there are no adults present. Play is the practice space for adulthood. Adults spoil this large purpose of play when they intervene and try to be helpful. Creating and understanding the purpose of modifiable modifiability of rules. A fundamental difference between adults' games and children's is that adults generally abide by fixed pre-established rules, whereas children generally see rules as modifiable. When adults play baseball or scrabble or almost anything, they try to follow the official rules of the game. In contrast, when children play, they usually make up the rules as they go along. This is true even when they play games like baseball or scrabble, if there's no adult present to enforce the rules. This is one of the ways in which children's play is much more creative than adults. The famous developmental psychologist Jen Piglet, I'm sorry, Piget, noticed long ago that children develop a more sophisticated and useful understanding of rules when they play with other children than when they play with adults. With adults, they get the impression that rules are fixed, that they can come down from some high, um, high authority and cannot be changed. But when they play with other children, because of the more equal nature of the relationship, they feel free to challenge one another about the rules which often leads to negotiation and change in roles. They learn in this way that rules are not fixed by heaven, but are human contrivances to make life more fun and fair. This is important. This is an important lesson. It is a cornerstone of democracy. Is that why you picked this one, Barry? <laughs> Practicing and building on skills and values of the adult culture. Even while differentiating to themselves from adult culture, children import features of that culture into their lives. They incorporate into their play many of the skills and values they observe among adults. 
That is why children in hunter-gather cultures play at hunting and gathering, why children in farming cultures play at farming, and why children in our culture play at computers. It is also why hunter-gatherer children do not play competitive games. The adults in their culture eschew competition, while children in our culture do play competitive games, though not to the degree that they do when there are adults involved. Children don't just mimic and play what they observe among adults. Rather, they interpret what they observe, try out variations of it, and that way try to strive to make sense of it. Children's play is always creative, and in their play they experiment with the new creative variations of themes derived from adults. This is how new generations build upon rather than simply replicate the culture of their parents' generation. Children are naturally drawn to the newest innovations in the larger culture around them. Adults are often suspicious of such changes, but children embrace them. This is illustrated today by children's eagerness to learn how to use the latest computer technology. They're often far ahead of their parents in this. Children's culture focuses quite naturally and adaptively on skills important to the world they're growing into, not the world as it was when their parents were growing up. Adults in every generation seem to bemoan the fact that their children don't play the way they played when they were kids. That's one of the more reasons why children have to get away from adults to play more adaptively, getting along with others as equals. The main difference between adults and children that affects their interaction has to do with power. Adults, because of their greater size, strength, and status, experience in the world and control of resources have power over children. So children's interactions with adults are generally unbalanced ones across a power gap. Children are going to grow up to be effective adults. They must learn to get along with each other as equals. For the most part, they can only practice that with other children, not with adults. Perhaps the most important function of the culture of childhood is to teach children how to get along with peers. They practice that constantly in social play. To play with another person, you have to pay attention to their needs, not just your own, or the other person will quit. You must overcome narcissism. You must learn to share. You must learn to negotiate in ways that respect the other person's ideas, not just yours. You must learn to assert your needs and desires while at the same time understanding and trying to meet the needs and desires of your playmates. Um, the battle against the culture of childhood has been going on for centuries. Hunter-gatherer adults seem to understand that children needed to grow up largely in a culture of childhood with little adult interference. But that understanding seemed to decline with the rise of agriculture, land ownership, and hierarchical organization of power among adults. Adults began to see it as their duty to suppress children's natural willfulness so as to promote obedience, which often involves attempts to remove them from the influences of other children and subordinate them to adult authority. The first systems of compulsory schooling, which are the forerunners of our schools today, arose quite explicitly for that purpose. If there is a father of modern schools, it is the pious clergyman August Hermann Freck, who developed a system of compulsory schooling in Persia, in Prussia, in the late 17th century, which was subsequently copied and elaborated throughout Europe and America. He wrote in his instruction to schoolmasters, above all, it is necessary to break the natural willfulness of the child, while the schoolmaster who seeks to make the child more learned is to be commended for cultivating the child's intellect, he has not done enough. He has forgotten his most important task, namely making the will obedient. Frackney believed that the most effective way to break children's wills was through constant monitoring and supervision. He wrote, youth do not know how to regulate their lives and are naturally inclined toward idle and sinful behavior when left to their own devices. For this reason, it is a rule in this institution that a pupil never be allowed out of the presence of a supervisor. 
The supervisor's presence will stifle the pupil's infl inclination to sinful behavior and slowly weaken his willfulness. We may today reject Fragney's way of stating it, but the underlying premise of much adult policy towards children is still in the Fragney tradition. In fact, societal forces have conspired to put Fragney's recommendation into practice far more effectively than occurred in Fragney's time or any other time in the past. Parents have become convinced that it's dangerous and irresponsible to allow children to play with other children away from adults, so restrictions on such play are more severe and effective than they have ever been before. By increasing the amount of time spent in school, expanding homework, harping constantly on the importance of scoring high on school tests, banning children from public spaces unless accompanied by an adult, and replacing free play with adult-led sports and lessons, we've created a world in which children are almost always in the presence of a supervisor who is ready to intervene, protect, and prevent them from practicing courage, independence, and all the rest that children practice best with their peers away from adults. I can't read any more of this. I find it too depressing. Jeannie, how do you feel about that? Does it's that completely right? depressing. Um, and one of the things that I don't think it really touched on was mm -hmm. that children are included in all adult conversations now. And, yeah. and I see it all the time. And my mother raised us, this is an adult conversation, go play. And that's how we raised our children. This is an adult mm -hmm. conversation. You go play. Because there are things in adult conversations that their minds are not capable of understanding and sure. rationalizing and, mm -hmm. and contributing to. Mm -hmm. and, and that's just it. Um, I was watching election night as, and not to bring this back to that, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, it, I, it all comes back to that yeah so. I, i'm i'm sitting in the living room going holy fucking shit and and i'm i'm watching cnn and i've got nbc streaming and and i'm 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 sitting here listening to these people say what am i going to tell my children in the morning what am i going to tell my small child in the morning and i'm thinking Donald Trump won the election cycle? You psycho? What, what, what the fuck <laughs> are you discussing politics with your second grader for? <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's one. This this is the reason why um, I, I gravitated towards this story. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, children need to be children. Um, and the modern education system and the the way people treat kids, they're not allowed to be children anymore. No, they're not. It's insane. <laughs> I, well, I saw, uh, was it Omaha, Nebraska, cast a, a thing that children under the age of 15 are not allowed alone in the local public library. Huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cause, Ain't dangerous, them books. Yeah, they might yeah. get ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm blown away by stuff like that. And I see it all the time. Nine-year-olds out front playing with each other and, and their little sister and the cops come and arrest the mother. Because they were playing in the line of sight of a parent, but that can't be allowed. Yeah, they, they were in the yard alone. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's just crazy. Um, My sister and I walk back and forth from school every day. Unless there was a horrible snowstorm or it was pouring rain and my grandfather came in and 
picked us up and my cousin John. Um, mm -hmm. But but we walked. Um, yeah. And everybody says, well, the world is a different place now. No, it's not, people. The world is not it's, a different place now. It's not. I, um, I hate to say it. It's safer than it's ever been. Go ahead. Yeah, it's it's not a different place. There there were were people doing horrible things to children um, in in the 40s and 50s. Uh, the biggest difference was in, in the 40s and 50s, it wasn't all over the Internet. It wasn't on the evening news. Um, the, the, the parents banded together and took care of the problem. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I know, I know that's making some people cringe, but I'm just saying. Um, right. there, there were less freaks in the world when the, the freaks, and when I say that, I mean people that do horrible and unspeakable things to children. Mm. were afraid for their lives if they got caught. I think people that molested kids have always molested kids. Uh -huh. um, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, and I do think parents are right to be wary of adults who want to have who want to interact with their children on more than a casual basis. That's just kind of strange. But some of this other stuff, not allowing children to walk to school alone. The blind lady. Remember her? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I haven't forgot. You know, th this sort of thing is ridiculous. In well, yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, I, gr I, gr I grew up and spent... As, as long as my father... I mean, I was brought up by my father. Right. As long as he knew where I was going... He didn't care what I was doing, right. as long as I wasn't breaking the law or anything. Right. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so basically I spent all my time either on my own or with my friends. Or at school. With right. that, that was my main adult interaction, was yeah. teachers at school. Because yeah. my dad was working or whatever. So at the weekend... Basically, you know, Saturday morning, it'd be like, my dad would just go, oh, what are you doing today? Oh, I'm going to see such and such. Okay. Right. I'd yeah. go off and do whatever. You wouldn't mm -hmm. see me again until six o'clock at night. You know. Right. Um, my sister well, I mean, and I, my sister, I was, I mean, when I was twelve years old, I was mm -hmm. babysitting an infant, uh -huh. an infant, and nothing bad ever happened to this child because you know my mom said, "Oh, you're going to hold this baby. Okay, this is what you need to do. You need to be careful here. You need to be careful there." Um, but and and we would get on our dirt bikes on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my mom would say streetlights. Right. And you had to be on one of the streetlights. And were. I was on an 80cc dirt bike or a 125cc dirt bike mm -hmm. wearing a helmet with jeans on because those were the two things that were mandatory. You know, you have, right. to, you have to have on jeans and you have to have on a helmet. And we were gone all day. You know, um, we ran out of gas one time. Um in a swamp of all places <laughs> and we trudged a mile through the swamp to get to these people's houses and and we we stood in their driveway and hollered to the house because you didn't walk up somebody's sidewalk covered in mud right and and hollering you know could you call our mom please and right. they're like what well, how long have you been stuck out there oh we ran out of gas about an hour ago and lady says, your mom's not looking for you? And I looked at her like she growed two heads. I said, no, it's not dark yet. 
you know, I mean, and, and we were always in groups. So, I mean, if something happened to somebody, it wasn't like, oh, my God, you don't have a cell phone. Right. It was one of your friends went and, went and made a phone call. Um, yeah. Did we do some crazy, scary shit? Oh, yeah, we did. My, <laughs> my brothers and I used to, my brothers taught me to defend myself. <laughs> my brothers and I used to fight with sticks. Um, we used to play with sharp farm implements, you know. You, you haven't lived till you've swung a scythe at somebody. Um, we did all kinds of stuff like that. Nothing really bad ever happened. I mean, accidents happen. Accidents sure. still happen to this day. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they, 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 they lowered the height of swing sets and monkey bars in school playgrounds. A lot of school playgrounds don't even have monkey bars anymore. Well, you know what I think is funny? Have you ever seen um, the, the photo of children's playgrounds in 1910? Yeah, that were like 20 feet off the ground. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, only the strong survived childhood then, I guess. We had one like that in our park. We, you know, we didn't really, I lived in, on a farm. We didn't really have a green space. You know, everything was green space. And nature was my playground. Yeah, it was kind of the same. We had we had public play areas in the town, mm-hmm. but the kids heard a lot of it. It was only the little kids that used those. Uh, yeah. By the time you got to like six and seven, you're out roving the countryside in small hordes, causing destruction. Right. And, you know, I mean, well, and it was it was we used to play tag in freaking trees. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, oh, go um, climb a tree. The, the bit, oh well, Billy bit, broke his arm last weekend. Oh well, it'll be good in six weeks. He'll be back. <laughs> The bit about kids finding ways around the rules. Yeah, I've got a good good story about that. My, okay. my primary school, right? Mm-hmm. You'll be aware of this. There's there's a game. It's called British Bulldogs here. Okay. Or Russian Bulldogs, Bull Rush, Bullies, Seaweed, Octopus. I'm looking at the Wikipedia article. Bulldogs Charge. So you start with a group at one end, and one or two people are the bulldogs, and the group have to rush across the field, and anyone who gets caught by the bulldog, they're kind of out, become a bulldog themselves. Uh-huh. And you win when you're the last of the rushers okay. not to be tagged, right? Is that like Red mm-hmm. Rover, so, Jim? My... Huh? Is that like our version of Red Rover? Yeah, Red Rover. Kind of. Okay, yeah. Names for it. yeah. But but in my town, it, it was quite a violent version. <laughs> Pe- people were, yeah, th- there was people with broken ribs uh, on occasion. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, getting tuck, you know, tackling the people rushing across the field. And oh, accidents happen. <laughs> yeah. So the school banned it. Of course Within a week, do. we were playing something even more dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> With even more accidents, you know, heads split open. Oh, God. Torn joints, you know, all, all within a week. But they banned the one game, so the kids are like, right, we'll, we'll, we'll come up with something else. <laughs> but that, that's, that's what kids are going to do. And here's yeah. the thing. That whole generation that you see holding up signs saying rape Melania or beating a pregnant woman with a baseball bat, they're, they're those were kids having... that were never allowed to be alone with other kids. Yeah, I mean, and they have lived their entire life having an adult around to tell them, oh no, you shouldn't do mm. that. That's, that's not, you know. What are the ladies no, that work they, Yeah, they have no compass. They have no they moral have no, compass. 
they have no idea how to deal with real life. But the one lady I work with was telling me her daughter goes to FSU. They canceled all the exams. Teachers were buying kids teddy bears and pizza and letting them lay on the floor in class. These are like 19, 20, 21 year old, I think of adults, laying on the floor, screaming and throwing fucking tantrums. And the teachers wanted to provide them a safe space to let them get it all out. And yeah, her daughter was just amazed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I flipped. I flipped. And they really don't that. like being called special snowflakes. So do it wherever possible. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I absolutely flipped out over that because I'm thinking you you sent your you sent your kid to college, yep. and they are not emotionally capable of handing, handling elect, an election. Do I think yeah. that this could go badly? Yes, this election could could end really badly. Right. It it could end not badly. It mm-hmm. might even end somewhat good. We don't yeah. know that yet, but holy fuck. I I knew we talked about my niece. Go I knew home. she you're was not, you're not in a you're not adult enough to be on your own. Go yep. home. Yep. You know I don't I find it amazing that this helicopter parenting, this overprotection, let's know you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything on your own, has turned out a generation like this. That's that's scary to me. Well, you yeah, know? I mean, my, my, my first experience of university, my dad uh-huh. drove me down with all my stuff. Mm-hmm. He saw the room and made sure I wasn't going to die due to anything dangerous in the area, mm-hmm. uh, as parents do. Right. And handed me some cash and went, well, see you at Christmas. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, well, uh, phone when you can. Yeah, get yeah. on with it. Well, I went, to, I went to another country for school. So my experience was, right, try not to get killed. Yeah. That was my experience. Good luck, try not to get killed. You know, we'll, we'll see you. Where did you go to and college? I went to college in Canada. How did I not know that? Um, it's not something I really talk about because I wasn't really able to finish it when the money ran out. Um, my grandmother had Alzheimer's disease and no one else in the family was going to take care of her. So I came home and took care of my grandma and never really went back to school. Kind of explains uh, a lot of things about how you think, though, because, yeah, you went to European-style I did. Other than American yeah. style. Because there are differences. Oh, <laughs> Why yeah. Why big differences? <laughs> yeah, you know, nobody nobody was getting free pizza or allowed to lay on the floor with their pink fucking bunny and scream. That uh, started to creep in over here, sadly. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. That really is. How, how, how did this happen? I mean, do you really think it was the internet that did it? No, I... That, that article kind of yeah. explains some yeah, of it. No. It's just I, more the article adults the wanting to control absolutely everything to do with a child's life. But you can't. And, and people, can't, yeah. people can't understand why teenagers post the shit that they do on the internet now. Um, if, if you want to monitor your child's behavior now, I would recommend to any parent out there, 
um, that is in a any kind of a custodial uh, part of of a child's life. Mm-hmm. Fuck what they're doing when they're out hanging out with their buddies. Monitor what the fuck your kids are putting on the internet. It's easier to do that you know, than it is be- to follow them around yeah, in the real world. Because what, what they're doing in your town or in your city with their friends by their side um, is probably going to end a whole lot better than the video your teenager is sneaking and putting on the internet in their room for all of these perverts you're so worried about to see. That's what kills me. They want to monitor their children 24-7 at home, whatever. But the, the minute they're inside their home, they think, okay, my kid's safe. And they don't pay any attention to what their kids are doing there. And, well, and yeah, I mean, these uh, kids are putting videos on the internet that... Uh, holy holy <laughs> Jesus. Well, I mean, a few, a few years ago, I, I, I helped my sister set up on the network in her house. Um right. And at the time, she got a new computer, so she was giving the old computer to her son. Mm-hmm. Um, and she got me to put on, you know, parent, parental blocking software and all kind of For thing. And I said to her at the time, it's like, yeah, yeah, don't know when exactly, but in the next few years, yeah, this isn't going to work anymore. She's yeah. like, well, so it's because kids find ways around it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all you, they really need to do is set up a It didn't VPN. click in her head until I said it, but. Yeah, I was a sneaky little bastard when I was a kid. My sister knows this. <laughs> and she, she has said herself, her son is like I was when I was a kid. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll give it till he's about 12. Then you're going to have real issues finding out what he's up to. Well, I mean, exactly. Any tech-savvy kid knows how to set up a VPN. Yeah. You know? And, you know, I'm not a tech-savvy kid. I can set up a VPN. You know? I'm far no, from Texas. I've got one that can turn off and on whenever yeah, I want. Built exactly. into Firefox. I mean, mm-hmm. exactly. You know, it, it just requires a little bit of savviness, and you will never know what they were doing. I, I am. Um, did you see the picture recently of the the adult motorized Mean Green Machine? No. You didn't see that. No. So but we're we live in different Facebooks, but go ahead. Okay. Well. It, I don't even know how it got on my feed, but anyway, so I had to share it with my cousin, mm-hmm. my cousin John, who is the other one my grandfather would come pick up if if inclement weather was apt to kill us. Right. Um. One year, our uncle Jim got my sister and I big wheels, and and got my my cousin John one of the green machines. Mm-hmm. So we couldn't wait for the snow to melt so that we could take them outside. We didn't, you know, we didn't throw an absolute shit fit because we got these toys we couldn't play with till the snow melted. We were just glad we got this toy. Right. We were grateful, not Mm -hmm. critical. So needless to say, when the weather broke and it it got where we could take these things outside, um, my dad put them all together. Mm -hmm. And we asked if we could go up to the sawmill and ride because um, the road, the, the main road was paved. The, the side street by us was, was a dirt road. But mm-hmm. the sawmill parking lot that was at the dead end of this road because there was, you know, mm-hmm. my mom's house, um, my next-door neighbor's house, and then the mill owner's house in the mill. That was right. it. So um, my mom says, yes, but if they're working at the mill, he said, well, you know, we know Mrs. All's driveway. Mm-hmm. 
So we went up to the mill and they were working and we thought, well, we'll, we'll ride them on the hill. Well, there was this path up onto the hill behind the sawmill. It was called the Indian Path. I don't know why it was ever called the Indian Path, but it was. And it was too steep to damn near walk up. I mean, you could put your hands out in front of you and grab hold of the hill. No big deal, right? right. Mm-hmm. Well, it didn't take us long to realize that we couldn't push these fucking things up the hill. So we snuck back down to the house and took down part of my mother's clothesline, which got us an ass whooping, by the way, <laughs> and used the clothesline to tie one of them up, and we would haul up to the top of the hill, and one of us would go back down, tie the rope back onto the end of another one, and this is how we did this. We hauled them up the hill to ride them down the hill. Now, the mill owner called my mother, and he said, uh, Donna? He said, uh, the, the kids are up here. And she says, are they being bad? I'm going to whoop their ass. He says, no, 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 no. It's not, it's not that they're being bad, but all three of them are bleeding. And my mom said, what? He says, yeah, um, I think they're, they're riding their, their toys down the back hill here. And, and my mother came up and lo and behold, all three of us were bleeding from <laughs> somewhere because, of course, you know, riding a, a big wheel or a, a green machine down a hill that's not, you know, all that much walkable. Um, it was right. basically a deer trail um, was not the most brilliant plan. All we had was was scrapes and, and you know, cuts from twigs, and whatever. Right. It taught us a very valuable lesson. The lesson wasn't don't ride your big wheel down the hill. The lesson was make sure nobody can see you (laughs) and make sure you don't get caught with your mother's clothesline because at that point in time, (laughs) the clothesline means more to her than you do. (laughs) Don't get caught. So you learned the lesson that every politician should have learned and you learned it with a group of your peers as a child. Well, it just, you know, we knew we were going to get caught. (laughs) When, when when all three of us are bleeding, okay, we knew uh-huh. we were going to get caught. Sure. We, we knew it. But getting caught when we did ruined all the fun. <laughs> my, yeah. mother, my mother could beat your ass with a flip-flop and make that son of a bitch feel like a two-by-four. I swear to God. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of my life I can remember my mother um, with one flip-flop on and the other one in her hand. <laughs> you know... <laughs> We we well, yeah, knew they know, were going. One of my stepbrothers, yeah, he he'd agree with you there. Yeah. Uh, he's <laughs> when we're about twelve, we decided we we went up the yeah, again hills, yeah, mm-hmm. but but Highlands hills, yeah, so, yeah. different, <laughs> kind of steep, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we we cycled up it. <laughs> there was a road, but there was a it was a winding road, obviously, because it was going up the steep hill, but of course. There's a deer path running straight down the hill. So we cycled all the way to the top and then cycled down using the deer path. Um, one, of my step, one of my stepbrothers, his face didn't look so good afterwards because uh, his brakes weren't stopped working so he couldn't slow down. And, and when, when the bike jackknifed, he must have been doing about 50 miles an hour. Oh, God. Landed on his face. Oh, so, m- myself and my other stepbrother had to basically carry him to <laughs> local oh, village hospital, basically, where he got stitched up. And then, 
he was probably in more pain in the evening uh, <laughs> when my mother got hold of him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, kids, kids do really fucked up shit. <laughs> yeah. well, they do. I mean, but... I mean the. The, yeah, it was like a sixty-degree hill. Yeah, you learn. You were coming down on a bicycle, and when, his brakes when failed. When stuff like this happens, though, mm-hmm. you learn as a child to evaluate a situation. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you um, know. That's that's as a child, I learned I don't have, I don't have, I have very weak ankles, so I learned as a child I cannot roller skate and I cannot ice skate. And I learned by like cracking my head and cracking my back and my ass about 800 times. And finally I went, this isn't worth it. It hurts too much. Yeah, I can't, I can't skate either for some mm. reason. Uh, I think it, my, 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 my center of balance likes it being on feet. Bicycles it can handle. Motorbikes, yeah. But right. not small wheels on bottom of feet. It doesn't seem, or skates on bottom <laughs> of feet. It doesn't seem to like that. I yeah. can't balance properly for some reason. Yeah, I can't either. And I think it's maybe a skill, but uh, children. It's really, are I think it's to do with your inner ear, but there you go. Probably. I mean, and, and uh, persistent children will learn it, even be competent at it, even if they're not great at it. If they like it, I, I was just like, yeah, I'm good. I can walk. I can run. This doesn't happen. <laughs> My feet like being on solid ground. Like I could never ski. That's something I couldn't. Yeah, I, yeah, that's that's the one that always makes me laugh. People find out I'm from the mountains. Oh, so how do you like you know where do you where do you like skiing? You know, I don't ski, but, <laughs> but you're from like the main winter activity where you come from is skiing. So yeah, right. no locals though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's for you, rich. We're, we're brought up to learn. Don't go up the fucking cold ass, dangerous mountains in the middle of winter. <laughs> <laughs> you can <Hi>. die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, there's there's something to be said for the the I don't want to say idiocy of the tourists because they're not idiots. They're just looking for something new to do. But there's there's something to be said for the fact that they're willing to do dangerous crap for. Absolutely I mean, it's, no, it's not just where I come from. It's not just idiot tourists. The Cairngorms are kind of notorious. <laughs> there are probably there are as many deaths in the Cairngorms, which aren't exactly big mountains, as there are in the Alps. Well, and the reason when you is look to do at something with how fast and say the, the only way changes. to get up get up this to ski down it is with a helicopter, yeah. that means you're a fucking moron. <laughs> yeah, and have too much money because you're paying for a helicopter. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I mean, a few years ago, a couple of professional climbers getting ready to go and climb K2 or something right. died in the Scottish Islands. Wow. They, they, they were, their bodies were found when some of the snow and ice melted, and they'd made it to within 40 yards back to their car. Wow. And they had all the professional gear. <laughs> but yeah, you still have these idiots who decide to wander up the Scottish mountains <laughs> in, in trainer, like trainers <laughs> and thin jackets in the middle of winter. And you're like, yeah, you wonder why you're in, you've got frostbite? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, professionals die up here, you idiots. <laughs> You don't climb the highest. Well, you you couldn't climb to the highest peak in Hawaii without winter gear, and that's during their summer. You know. Yes, and you need oxygen as well. Yeah, which is why I don't understand that people don't understand that that applies universally. 
know what I mean? Anywhere that has a really big hill, the higher you go, the colder it is. That's kind of a universal thing. That's one of the Common universal truths. Common sense is a result of childhood learning. <laughs> and, and I, honest to God, think so. And I, I think the only, I think the the best way for anyone to develop common sense is to do stupid shit as a child and learn from your stupid shit. And kids aren't allowed to do stupid shit and, and learn from their stupid shit. Shit. Oh my god, did you see that 11,000 so, people voted for Hombre? Yes. <laughs> 11,000 adults got up, got dressed, went to a fucking polling place, and voted for dead gorilla for president. But maybe, maybe they, maybe they <laughs> did that because they wanted to vote for all the other shit, and needed to put something in that box. Maybe they were just adverse to not putting something there. Well, I, I mean, you kind of, you kind of have to. I mean, you know, I voted for my favorite friendly fascist. You know, I I told you guys that I voted vermin supreme. I have no problem with that. I figured he was less terrible than my other choices. Do you know, hmm? I, have a, I have a terrible voting decision to make. Okay. It's my local council election okay. ballot came, arrived today. I didn't uh -huh. even realize it was happening. But, you know, the, the there's a local community council as well as the actual council. Okay. And this is the community council elections. So basically, okay. it's people who are basically trying to advance themselves into becoming proper council members. Okay. But, so it's the local parish kind of council. Uh, okay. And I'm like, I'm going to have fun tomorrow looking on Facebook and seeing who these people are. <laughs> going, oh, crazy. No, idiot. No. no. <laughs> Luckily, they, they only have the power to, you know, basically complain about bin collections and <laughs> what posters are allowed uh, in the local area and shit like that. So luckily, you know, it's not too bad, but yeah. <sighs> another vote. I mean, jeez. I'm 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 all voted out the amount of voting we've done in the UK recently. Well, you guys do, yeah, but you guys vote everything and you do it yeah. properly with you know paper ballots. Yes, I have no a paper ballot right next to me. And let's human see. beings that count it. Yes. Uh, let's see. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. twelve candidates for this. Uh... <laughs> and and right, this is the way the voting works. You have to mark them in order of preference. Because <laughs> there's 12 candidates in nine places. <laughs> now, this will make you laugh. There's a couple of couples that put their names in. Couples? Yep. Mr. Are and you... Mrs. are both on the ballot. It's are like, you fucking huh? kidding me? <laughs> what <laughs> no. if you only like her and you can't stand him or vice versa? What the hell? Well, see, it's, it's basically local people who think they want they want to run their street basically it's that type of person that goes for these positions i'd say luckily they don't actually have that much power but it's still annoying that i've got to vote for these people it's like i don't know any of them why the hell do i care <laughs> yeah but it's it's better that you it, well it'll it'll at least it'll be interesting finding out who's who and what and well no no I, no they have candidate statements and photographs with the ballot paper. So. Right, but I'm saying Mr. and Mrs. That, that is some that is some that that is that is a fucked up relationship. Mr. and Mrs. That's like those group Facebook not group Facebook pages, but Paul and Jerry Rhines. 
You know what I mean? You see that. Yeah. No, you the know? funniest thing the funniest yeah. thing about the form, the, the actual voting form, is the Mr. and Mrs.'s. It's got a form for their name, a form for their address, and then and then a line for the number you're gonna put in for them. And it lists the address for the couples separately, you know, so it's not... They, link, they have them both together, because obviously it's done alphabetically, so the surnames are together. Right. But instead, it, they fully print out the full address in both the boxes. It's like, well, we'd hope they're living in the same place. <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that, would be, that would be ideal. Let's face it, um, that, that would lose your votes if you, if you looked on that bit of paper and it was a couple, two different, two different addresses. People would be like, hang on a minute. Yeah, I I vote them twelfth and eleventh. <laughs> yeah, that is. But I mean, at least you have some sort of say in who does yeah. what there. You know, even I, if I you don't, don't want vote, it, vote, you'll be unsurprised to learn it's all done by post. This for the most oh, part. Oh, Um, <laughs> their turnout's terrible <laughs> in <laughs> these sort of elections because, of course, people don't give a shit. Yeah, it's like oh, it's just the local busybodies. Why? Why? No, no. <laughs> That's basically what it is. Right. It's, you're you're voting in who your local busybody is going to be. Um, <laughs> oh, God! If only we had that kind of control here. Well, you uh, kind of do. You have your town elections. Kind of. So. Kind of, but. Kind of similar. Sort of, but we don't get to vote who runs the street. No, no, that's not. It is, a, it is a parish. It's not just one street. But basically, most people who go for these jobs, uh, go f- put themselves forward for these things, are people who are like, well, that happens here and I don't like that. So I'm going to run and, <laughs> and get, get changes done. You know, it's like, uh-huh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's not how politics works. It's like a big yeah. machine. Um, since we've killed childhood, didn't really kill it. <laughs> Oh, we've talked it to death. Uh, I, I did want to bring up something that I, I think is kind of positive. I don't know if everybody will agree with me. Um, Trump's election effectively killed the Trans-Pacific Partnership. That's kind of a good thing. <laughs> That's kind of a good did it, thing. Did it kill, kill the one with Europe as well? Oh, no, hang on. It was kind of dead anyway. Uh. Yeah, they're all dying. I mean, it, it, people are like, you know, globalization sounds really nice. Now, fuck off. That's basically what all these elections are telling me, but maybe I'm just stupid. Okay. Well, I mean, globalization's happened anyway. These trade deals, all they're there for is to ensure the corporations get better a better cut of the profits. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's all it's about. It's got nothing to do with protecting the you. common good, the yeah. common person. It's all about politicians and corporate leaders getting sure. a, a better slice of the the uh, profits. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, protecting a corporation so that they can they can sue a government who infringes on their business ability to like, make that's profit. what a bit that's what a government's supposed to be doing, you assholes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, what a what an actual government if an actual government actually gave a shit up about you, they would stand between you and the corporations. And I, I hate to say it, I, some of the UK's rules about um, workplace safety and things like that, so they actually seem to give a shit about their populace. Whereas here, they're like, yeah, eight hour gone over the top with it, but yeah. <laughs> oh, right. I'm talking about the common sense rules. I'm not talking about the ridiculous ones. You know what I mean. Yeah. 
we don't really seem to have that here. So it, it's like I said, if you had a government that actually gave a shit, it would be a difference. Uh, we don't so much have that. Uh, we have what we have. But anyway, um, so this is that MPAA-backed Trans-Pacific Partnership Accord dead in wake of Trump win. For signing nations, copyright was to last the lifetime of the creator of the copyright plus 70 years. So this is kind of a big thing for copyright infringement and the like. The Trans-Pacific Partnership, a proposed and controversial 12-nation trade pact, dealing with everything from intellectual property to human rights, effectively died Friday. Congressional leaders from both parties told the White House they would no longer consider it with a lame duck president, even one who staunchly backed the plan. Among the reasons the deal was relevant to Ars Technica readers is because how it treated intellectual property. The TTP exported U.S. copyright law uh, regarding how long a copyright lasts. For signing nations, the plan would have made copyrights last for the lifetime of the creator, plus 70 years after his or her death. That's basically the same as in the U.S. When the 2,000-page text of the deal was released in November last year, after negotiations were done in secret, the MPAA hailed it. The TTP reaffirms what we have long understood, that strength in copyright is integral to American creative com community and facilitating legitimate international commerce, Chris Dodd, the MPAA chairman, said. At one point last year, many feared the TTP would require signing companies to mandate the internet service providers terminate accounts for internet copyright scuffaws. That, however, never materialized. In the U.S., many of the top ISPs have a six-strike consumer infringement program. Knowledge Ecology International, which monitors international law, said the measure would have gutted provisions in the American law encouraging more transparency of patents on biologic drugs. The group said infringing any patent or copyright could have become more risky and costly. But what a difference a year makes. Following the victory of Republican Donald Trump, the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, a Republican from Kentucky, and Senator Chuck Schumer, a New York Democrat, said they would not bring up the TTP vote given that President Barack Obama is leaving office in January. In terms of the TTP agreement itself, Leader McConnell has spoken to that, and it's something that he's going to work with President-elect to figure out where they go in terms of trade agreements in the future. Uh, all I can say for Trump is I hope he doesn't fucking sign any recklessly, because that will bode badly, I think. Considering well, as far as I'm aware from what people have said, he's, he's, he's into protectionism. Well, so he's probably going to lower corporation tax, try and draw companies... Back. back to the US. Yep. But that advantages him as well, so it's not surprising. Uh, and the tariffs for foreign goods are going to get messed with. Oh, well. Which is going to completely fuck everything up. But all politicians do this, so, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, if he brings jobs to the Rust Belt, he'll be hailed as a hero there. Everyone else will hate him, but they'll be like, oh, he's a hero. But, um,. Looking at his 100-day plan, which I actually read, by the way. Thank you. I know a lot of people haven't bothered to. Um, if he does half of the things he does, it's basically going to be a new form of... Remember we've talked about what happened after World War One and the war reparations that were placed upon Germany? how they you know it was people starving to death that that led to a lot of this radical shit and that's when you had economists talking about redistributing wealth 
so that no one was not hungry, no one was not able to provide for their family, that there would not be this uprising of hate. If he does half the stuff in that 100-day plan, there's going to be a redistribution of wealth like you have not seen since the 50s. And I don't know if it's possible, but it looks really good on paper. All this stuff looks really good on paper. So we shall. That kind of sum, that kind of kind of sums up a lot of politics, though. Looks kind exactly. of paper. Looks great they, on paper. And they, then they try and bring it in, and it's like this is a fucking disaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Very very true. Uh, Jeannie, any thoughts? No. Um, <laughs> I, I have found that a lot of my thoughts are best kept to myself lately. Um, I, I don't know why. I mean... I am I am losing... And, and I laughed. Um, my Facebook, the amount of friends, and, and I mm -hmm. say that with air quotes around it, on right. Facebook, have, I, I looked at the number one time and thought, this fucking many people don't even know me. Right. Um, but... I have had about a 10% reduction in the number of people <laughs> who are my friends on Facebook. Um, and it's not just people that Facebook have decided to dead them. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I, you know, I don't think that I've said anything really offensive. Um, no. I have like really, yeah, I have tried to be very uh, fair and, and balanced in the statements that I've made. Um, I, I think you're very middle of the road yeah, about this. I don't. I don't. I don't really care for either one of them, but mm -hmm. if if something like, I can't fucking believe they said that comes up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but I try to be fair about it. You know, I didn't go defending Gary Johnson when when he made some missteps because they were definite missteps. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Yeah, things he probably shouldn't have said. Um, but it's not just that. His VP pick was just horrendous. Terrible. Yeah. Well, terrible. I think, I think all of the Fuck VP picks thinking. right now were pretty fucking horrendous. They're um, assassination insurance. That's all they are. Yeah, I swear that's what they were. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, I just keep seeing shit and I want to be like, this is this 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 was the choice that you thought was going to be better? Are you fucking kidding me? Do you see how these people are behaving? And I guess that's the biggest thing that strikes me now is fucked up. Is the people that were supposed to be all peace, love, and help your fellow man. Are rioting and looting and assaulting people. It's like... Do, do fucking what? <laughs> so I think it's kind of better if I just shut the fuck up. So, you know what's really interesting? Um, what's it? I stuck it on my Facebook page yesterday. Let me go grab it, and I'll stick it in chat. and I'll describe it to people so they can find it on their own. Um, if you think you live in a different world from your friends, at least as far as social media goes, if you want to talk about Facebook, you are absolutely right. You live in a completely different world. And I will stick this in the chat we're in so that you can look at it, Miss Jeannie. And look at the stark differences between the two feeds that they put up for each of us. 
my feed do, all right i self-identify okay not that this means shit but i identify as an agorist you know what an agorist is okay i'm gonna say no but an agorist is someone who believes you can um get around the government through counter-economics which is kind of what I am. Uh, at my heart, I, I, I understand how government should work. I, I think it doesn't work that way. I think people could do a lot better. Um, and I think you can cut out the government entirely if you want to. Most people have no interest in that. I understand that. It, it leaves me in a little niche place here. And yet Facebook says I am politically moderate. I understand politics, I get politics, but I don't love politics. I understand the divide between red nations and blue nations. I understand the divide between globalism and localism. I understand federalism and anti-federalism. I understand all of these things, but I don't necessarily subscribe to them at all. So I don't see Facebook like that, but I know other people do. And people were bitching and moaning, saying that Facebook is why Trump won the election. I hate to tell you, I see a mix of both of those feeds, the blue feed and the red feed that are on that Wall Street Journal article. Oh, I do, too. So I, I, I don't know how you could say that that won the election. I, I don't know. But I do know we do live in two different worlds. Not you and me, but me and the rest of Facebook. Go ahead. Did you see the message I sent you in Skype? Uh, how far back do I have to go? Oh, no, no, no. I'm near, Jeremy sent me a message. Jeremy got suspended for 30 days from Facebook. He got banned 30 days on Facebook over pro-Trump election posts. <laughs> you know, the man is a lot... He's always been a rabid Republican. Rabid Republican. Jeremy Metlock is allowed to have his fucking opinion. And for those of you who think he's a racist or a jackass, his partner, his wife, is Native American. They live in a neighborhood full of black people. This, this is the least racist person I've met in my life. He is allowed to be okay with Trump winning the fucking election, but Facebook doesn't think so. Because it incites hate. Um, he got called uh, uh, a really derogatory black name four times by a white liberal Hillary-supporting Canadian female. <laughs> and he got banned for 30 days, and the quote he sent me directly from Facebook was, for directly causing hate speech. <sighs> now, we can't tell that, that Zuckerberg was a complete Hillary supporter, Hillary supporter now can we? Hey, well, you can. I think one of the funniest things I saw a couple days ago on Twitter was this large business owner in the United States who owns a business in Grub Silicon Hub. Valley... Are you in about Silicon, <laughs> he owns a business in Silicon Valley, not Zuckerberg. Okay, okay. Um, was on Facebook screaming that all white people should be killed 
that black and this is the whitest this guy is whiter than me and i can see both my veins and my arteries in my legs okay so that's how white i am because i don't get to see the sun i work for a living so i look like a freaking ghost this guy's whiter than that screaming and hollering that all white people should be gutted or they should stone us to death they should come after us and kill us and to set things off, he's going to go find Donald Trump and he's going to say he was going to stab him to death. I'm like, you're a fucking moron. First of all, they're going to ban you. Second of all, if you think this isn't being written about in some press somewhere, you're delusional. Third, uh, why would you make pre- threats against a presidential elect? The Secret Service now has a mandate to come after your ass. These people who are against this guy are really unhinged. Well, I mean, it's it's more fundamental than that. The way the world works now, he's just screwed loads of future business deals for himself. Because mm-hmm. now, when you're going into, you know, when you're doing a deal with somebody, they're gonna look at your social media and go yeah. to see if you're a crazy or not. <laughs> yeah. And if you're ranting shit about killing people. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't think we'll... No, we don't want to do business with you. No. Well, the best part was, this guy, before he did that, like, he went through his parking lot and found all the cars of the people that supported Trump because there are even people in Silicon Valley who were all for Trump, which surprised the fuck out of me, but not everybody likes Hitlery. Um, Killery, not everybody likes her. And he fired all those people. And that, that after that, he went on his fucking Twitter rampage. Well, and, so and what you're saying is this he's is common. Very soon. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, um, the Grubhub Grub? stock took a nosedive. Yeah. Um, and you know the, the the guy that owns Grubhub sent out this fancy little email, telling people that if they were in support of of the president elect, that they should send in their resignation. Um, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> do, you, do you remember back in the day when everybody kept their political views to themselves and who you voted yeah. for was a private matter and it stayed yeah. that way? Maybe we need to go back to that shit because well, I mean, it wasn't know, this violent. This, this is why the polls, although it's still there, and this is why the polls keep getting it bloody wrong yeah. in the UK and the US. The polling organizations, yeah, people are if it's somebody loud and prepared to say what they're going to do, mm-hmm. yeah, you shouldn't be listening to them. Right. There's no way to poll in advance because, yeah, the UK especially still has the your your vote is private thing. Mm-hmm. Um, your vote should that's be. that's why when when Brexit happened, there's a huge you know that we ended up with Brexit because it was mainly the older voters who right. voted to leave. Mm-hmm. But for the polls, it was the younger people that were being more open about how they were going to vote. Because yeah. the older people are like, no, voting should be private. Well, but I mean, it's not just So the polls too. get it wrong continuously. Well, it, it it's also not just that. I mean, please understand, you see the kind of hate people are getting here for just supporting someone that, I mean, I personally think, I think if we wanted a good election cycle... We should have gotten better fucking candidates on both sides. Really. 
that's what I actually think about this election. So um, the Democrats should have run Bernie Sanders. Um, I think they would have had a real, real fight on their hands with that. Um, because he also really spoke to those people that were disenfranchised. And I know when the Democratic National Convention did to Bernie what they did, um, when they burned down his campaign, a lot of people who were not prepared to do it said, fuck it, and they voted for the only other candidate who spoke to them at all about the things that were going wrong in their lives and why it was happening. The Democrats have ignored the white middle class for a really long time and then the white lower class and now the new white working poor that's a problem i say that standing back from the sidelines because they they screwed my guy and i was there to see it and i cried for a week and i said okay well you know what democracy doesn't mean what i think it does and elections are not what i think they are so i need to grow up and that's when i started reading stuff I mean, I felt really abandoned by my government. But then I realized that's just how government works. It's a big fucking machine. You know? More or less. So, yeah. Hombre. I'm still cracking up about that. 11,000 people voted for that dead gorilla. So there's that. Um, I did promise I was going to talk about something else oh right um you know india what they did does anybody know what they did with their yeah oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. and the only reason yeah, i knew what happened odd. was because a billion lives um found out that all the money they had was mm -hmm. useless yep yeah, oh nobody, yes nobody will take the notes yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, so so the, the Winston man was stranded at the airport because they wouldn't accept his, his passport photo. He was bloody, and, yeah. And a billion <laughs> lives had all of their money um, made useless. And, oh yeah, by the wasn't, way, they don't yeah, have that, ATMs that there. That wasn't, that wasn't his worst bit. It's not, it wasn't just billion lives. It was all just about all tourists that had gone to India. Yep. Suddenly found all the cash they'd got in advance was completely useless. Yeah. Yeah, their government went and they made larger denomination bills worthless. Yeah. The largest denomination you can have is like, what, 100 rupees? Rupees? Um, rupees. Rupees, yeah. And that's it. Because they had 500 and 1,000 rupees notes. They're gone. They're gone. They're, they're total trash. The um, banks will exchange the notes, though. Yeah, for their over the next few months. When they get more, help. yeah, that doesn't help. That the fact that all businesses are now not accepting the notes that are being withdrawn. Yeah, yeah, because it's illegal to do so. How perfect is that, right? Because they're worried about terrorism, and they say they want to have better understanding of how people are spending their money yeah, it's, so, it's, yeah. only, it's only it's only criminals and dodgy people that use these big denomination notes uh, yeah. and tourists and mm -hmm. businesses and <laughs> and working people and but fuck all them <laughs> yeah so they're in a lot of trouble they're looking at mobile payment solutions um because there is no paper cash now 
in usable denomination in their country. Yeah, I mean, they announced this and didn't have a load of new low denomination notes ready to go. Yeah. That's, the yeah. stu- that's the stupid bit. I know. <laughs> they decided to do this, and then they just went, right, we're doing it now. Yeah. Not, not Whoever it is, their equivalent of their mint central bank going, uh, we don't have notes to cover all the <laughs> stuff we're replacing. That will do like, it anyway. Yeah. They're like, oh, we're not worried about that at all. And it's like, oh, right. Yeah, because uh, to, to give people focus, in India, cash is still king. Yeah. They don't Very use... few people have bank accounts, let alone credit cards or debit cards. Yep. <laughs> Everything it's basically... It's it's a sl- it's a top end third world country, that's that's India. It likes to think it's more than that, but basically the majority of it is third world. Basically, yeah, yeah. I mean it, it. It is not what it it appears or pretends to be. So I'm going to read this. India looks at mobile payment solutions as people struggle to find paper cash. Indians have avoided digital transactions for decades, but this week they're increasingly looking at cashless solutions. In the aftermath of the withdrawal of the 500 and 1,000 pound rupee denomination currency notes earlier this week, people are increasingly downloading and using mobile wallet apps such as Paytem, Ola Money, and Free Charge, the companies say. Most of them took the opportunity to advertise their solutions with full-page advertisements in the national dailies. Ola Money said Wednesday that it saw a 1,500% increase in wallet recharges, adding money from a bank account to a digital wallet. Paytem said it saw a 435% upward spike in traffic as millions of people used its app. It also saw a 200% increase in app download numbers and 250% surge in overall transactions and transaction value. Banks were closed on Wednesday in India, which is helpful because all those people have worthless cash. You know, they don't need to exchange it, which resulted in people struggling to find enough paper cash to handle their daily expenses. Mobile wallet apps are seeing this as a big opportunity to win customers. Snapdeal-owned FreeCharge today launched a new feature in its wallet called Wallet on Delivery, which allows users to pay for their purchases on Snapdeal when they are delivered using their FreeCharge wallet. The move comes as most of the e-commerce business in India temporarily restricted or suspended popular cash on delivery options. Digital disconnect is a pretty big challenge in India, with hundreds of millions of people still preferring cash and having no bank accounts. This has forced digital payment solution providers to look for ways to attract customers. Paytem said today it will hire over 10,000 people to expand touch points where users can pay cash to top up their mobile wallets. The company currently has partnership with over 2 million offline merchants who accept payments via Paytem Cash. As millions of consumers across India have taken to using their Paytem wallets to transact offline. Our biggest opportunity is to be available in every town and city in the country, the company said in a press release. Indian banks opened Thursday to long queues of people waiting outside to exchange their now scrap notes and withdraw new 2,000 rupees and 500 rupees notes. The government currently isn't allowing people to exchange more than 4,000 um, or $60 per day of their old currency for new bills. That's just great how they just had no no real plan. Just fuck you all. Yep. You don't need to eat. <laughs> you don't need to pay your bills. Screw you. Yeah, you've got a government who must know that the majority of the, their population still use cash. Mm-hmm. And then they dick with the cash system. It's like, yeah. I mean, and that's always been like a danger with having paper cash. 
You yeah. know what I mean? That they yeah, because just... it can devalue in seconds. Yeah. Stroke of a pen in this case. Yeah, and do not now. Dunk, your money's worthless. Shit. Have a good day. It's a scary thing. Fiat currency is scary, and then these idiots being in charge who have no understanding of the fact. That I I bet no, well, it's hard to see what's going on in the Indian Indian media. I mean, right. you get a bit here because the UK has a lot right. of con- connections. Uh-huh. But yeah, I wonder how many of the politicians own shares in these digital transaction companies. Oh. That 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 wouldn't surprise me. In Indian politics is uh, like that. Yeah, it's a it's a screwed up little thing they got going on there. Yeah, it's it's always kind of. But you do notice, you know, a lot a lot of what they said was to do with, um, you know, it was criminal elements and undesirables using these these notes they withdrew. Right. But you know, but you notice that they've instead issued a bigger note. Yeah, I know. It's obviously bugger all to do with. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So we want to keep track of the criminal elements because they're the only ones that use the thousand pound. What? So here's a two thousand pound. What? (laughs) What are you on about? It's the government. Because they knew they they have lots of rich, the the billionaires in India would be rather upset at not having large denomination notes to wave at people. Um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Millionaires uh, or vet, mil, billionaires and millionaires in India are hilarious. Yeah. Think, think, black rappers, but even more so. When it comes the, to don't, don't they have a billionaire See. there that got the gold shirt made for yep. him and made out of like gold thread, spun yes. from fucking gold? And his house is like got even the doors are gold plated, let alone the door handles. You know, they're it's they take tasteless ostentiousness to a whole new level in India. It's, <laughs> it's always been an exuberant country, but yeah, they're now that they've got millionaires and billionaires, it's get it, it, it's hilarious when you see some of it. <laughs> well, I mean, my favorite thing about the guy with the gold shirt was like, women love this, and he looks like a 1970s porn star. Yep. You know, well, with it's that an Indian, it's an Indian style shirt, shirt as well. So yeah, it's it's open right down to nearly his navel. Yeah, it's know, just not like it's, bare-chested over there. It's not a good look. That is no. not a good look for him. And I think um, the photo I saw, he did indeed also have a big gold medallion on. So yeah, yeah well, he was looking very seventies. Yeah, I, I'm surprised he didn't have a gold grill. I guess you know, teeth. I guess that hasn't become popular yet there. Oh no 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 no! Gold teeth are popular in India. Nice. Because yeah, they, people get mugged and their teeth get pulled out. Oof. You Comes know, South America as well. Well, you know, did um did you see that article I put up on my Facebook page about a week ago about all these people in that town that were getting that chip implanted in their hand? Yeah. And they were all happy. They're like, I don't have to go to the bank anymore, and I can just walk by the register and all this stuff. Do you know what the first thought I had was? When you go, when you're getting carjacked now, somebody's gonna cut off your fucking hand terrifying thought. I, I can't believe people well, would put the, the, they made, in made, They made a joke of biometric security and the like in Red yeah. Dwarf a long, long time ago. Yeah. Or, you know, he was no longer classed as a member of the crew so he needed to open the door and it had a palm print scanner. <laughs> being a dead member of the crew. And <laughs> the robot asks him later how did you get that door open? And he's like, really, you don't want to know. <laughs> and right at the end of the episode 
give me five. Give you five, I can give you fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, D- doing things like that. Bad yeah. idea. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, um, fingerprint scanners. Yeah, that's, that's what's going to start happening. Somebody will get kidnapped and to access your stuff, well, I'll just chop your finger off and use it. Yeah. And no. and they go, oh, but but the sensors detect whether it's you know they detect the warmth as well. It's like, <laughs> You do know there's these things called heaters. <laughs> yeah. you know, here, use the finger and have a hair dryer. You'll blow a hair dryer on it, then put it on the fingerprint scanner. Oh yeah, exactly. Like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's gross, but it could happen. Yeah. Oh, I mean, cr- yeah. D- d- desperate criminals will do. Well, desperate people will do anything yeah. to achieve objectives. So yeah. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. And the, the, um, this has been talked about a lot in security circles. It's like, oh. This is why banks aren't all up for biometrics too much, because one, it's not as secure as the public have been led to believe. Uh, and two, it has all different other issues go along with it. Yeah. yeah. To do with kidnapping, mutilation. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, everybody made fun of was it Avengers where Loki takes the guy's eye out? Yeah. Yeah. And no, 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 no. That's that's a real danger. You just think it's funny because it happened in a Marvel movie. It wouldn't be funny if it happened to you in real life, you know. And they're sitting now. They've got these biometric scanners that can read the way your blood cells look in your veins. Yeah. They have vein palm scanners. Oh, joy. Well, the, the the one, of course, that, that's been touted for a long time, the, the ultimate would is the DNA um, mm-hmm. scanner. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, yeah, you need to go, you, you, you all need to go watch the film Gattaca. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I always, I got to admit, I, I think Gattaca was really actually a, a decent film. Just yeah. see him try to scrub off that DNA every morning. Yeah, that's just half his life, half his waking hours are to do with maintaining his fake identity. Yeah. Yep. What a hellish world to live in. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's. Do you ever think that all this stuff with the identity scanners and the chipping and stuff? Do you ever think it it goes back to that that sort of eugenicist sort of movement a in bit. a way? Yeah. I mean. I, I kind of think most of this stuff does. It still cracks me up, right? To do with identity, right? I don't have a current passport. I don't have Mm -hmm. current photo ID of any sort. So even to do, to volunteer, one of the first questions you're asked, you know, oh, no, what what skills have you got? Blah, 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 blah. You go, fine, right. And then they want to do the paperwork. And the first thing they want is photo ID. I don't have photo ID. Oh, <laughs> why not? Oh, I've got an expired passport. Oh no, it has to be current. Right. And my comment to the person in question recently—this was a few months, a couple of months ago—was, right. "Yeah, like I'll have gone through plastic surgery to make myself look like the photo in that passport, <laughs> just to do two hours a week in a library, <laughs> helping people out." They're like, "Oh yeah, but..." 
but we need the photo while you're like the bureaucracy is is yeah. just mind-boggling it really is i mean especially if you grew up somewhere you pretty much are who you say you are yeah. you know you grew up there These well people the best bit you. is i have a a full copy of my birth certificate right which are not they're not easy to get hold of unless you're the person you say you are. Yeah, right. there have been cases where people have got hold of them illegally, but it's not easy. Right. Uh, but that doesn't count as ID because it's not got a photo. Yeah. But it proves that I'm this person. Because <laughs> 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 you, you use that document to get your passport and your <laughs> driver's yeah. license and things like that. It's like, why is it fine for that, but you want <laughs> to see this thing that it's that we from it. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's that's it's, the world these days. But it's bureaucracy. I mean, yeah. it's it's that's somebody sitting there making government happy. Well, and get this to get my passport renewed. I wouldn't have to mm-hmm. do a new application, obviously, and just get the old one replaced. It's still right. eighty pounds, though. Barry, uh, you don't want to try to get a driver's license in the state of Tennessee. Oh. Yeah, you need your full birth birth certificate, your your live birth birth certificate. Uh, you need like three bills that show you live there. You need a witness statement. It's a pain in the ass. It was Trust fuck- me, I know. It was absolutely fucking insane. Yeah, you're when, looking at these people and you're going, you really think I'm a fucking terrorist? I get, I, well, and see, I think that's part of the, the reason for all of the... 18 pounds of bullshit you have to cart with you is mm-hmm. because the Department of Homeland Security is part of the Department of Transportation <laughs> here. Perfect. You no, know, it is. Um, their uniforms have uh, Department of Homeland Security and whatever else on them. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, it was fucking insane. When I moved to Texas, I had to take mm-hmm. my Pennsylvania state-issued driver's license to the right. state of Texas Department of Motor Vehicles and mm-hmm. they looked at it, they typed it in on the computers, and I mean, folks, we're talking about in the 80s. <laughs> they yeah. they looked at it, they verified it was a valid ID. They said, okay, you have your social security card. I said, yep, here you go. They said, okay, thank you, and took my picture, handed me a driver's license, cut my Pennsylvania license in half, said, have a nice day. <laughs> when I moved back to Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. I went over to the driver's license center, and handed them my Texas ID, and they said, okay, do you have anything else that verifies your name? I said, yeah, I got my social security card. Here you go. They went, okay, thank you. Took my picture, punched a hole in my Texas ID, and said, have a nice day. <laughs> uh, Tennessee, not not even close. Yep. Had to have your original social security card, not a copy. Had a copy of your original birth certificate, which, by the way, my husband's was printed on fucking papyrus. i mean do you know do you know what kind of shape my original birth certificate is in now i just turned 48 years old Mm -hmm. i'm surprised the thing hasn't crumbled to fucking dust i I got a new copy of mine not that long ago um our our original that cost a bit of money yeah our original social security cards they were like just kept looking at them because you know social security cards issued 48 and 51 years ago do right. not look anything like Social Security cards issued today. Nothing, right. folks. Nothing. Um, yeah. We each had to have two bills in our names, which was an absolute miserable bitch to do because we only have two utility bills here. 
Um, right. One was in my name, one was in Paul's name. I did that knowingly because of the amount of times you have to verify your address. Right. Um, we got lucky and the closing papers. We had to have a copy of our deed or our rental lease. Yep. To yep. prove where... I mean, it was it was fucking surreal. Yeah. Um, and for totally. Bernie to get his, we had to have all of that and a letter from the school stating that he had passing grades. School hadn't fucking started yet. <sighs> It was insane. Uh, the state of Tennessee is very serious about making sure you are who the fuck you say you are and you actually reside where you say you reside. Yep. That's that's all I can say about that. I mean, it's yeah. it's crazy. I cannot believe that there is an illegal immigrant in this state. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet there isn't. And if there is, then they don't have a driver's license. That I betcha. Yeah, it's, it, it or no, no, or they've paid an awful lot of money to have lots of good fake documents. Yeah, that might have been easier for you guys actually. <laughs> Paying a forger. Oh, uh, it was it was crazy. I mean, yeah. we ended up like four trips to to Cookville, to or Crossville rather, to get this shit taken care of, and I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Well, yeah, as I say, for this volunteering job, I needed passport or driver's license, photo ID. Uh. Two things with confirming your address. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this particular one, because it's a thing in the UK, I need the thing passing me to be able to basically not be a child molester or you know, <laughs> basically or it's a background check. Person. Background yeah. check done by the government to prove that you're not a criminal of any sort. Right. Um, you need all that just to do like an hour or two helping yeah. people with computer shit in the library. I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> Are you people insane? <laughs> um, that's the way the world is, now. Yeah. The limit on Mixler's coming up, and I, I promised we would talk about protecting yourself from the surveillance state. We'll do it all next week. This was this was just cathartic. I think we'd been yeah. keeping a lot of this shit under our hats for a long time. <laughs> Politics and money and stupid-ass government and the way people act these days. So, you know, we had to get it out. Um, so we'll do that uh, next week, I'm guessing. So, Jeannie? Yeah. What? Thank you. Thank, thank you. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't have the Muppets. I, I know you don't. Okay. I'm not worried about it. I just wanted to say thank you for doing this. And it was nice having a show with you, me, Very, and Alex, too. That Return was... Of Alex. The return of Alex, yes. The election of Donald Trump and the return of Alex. It's hey, there's, a, there's right. a blurb for your, <laughs> your show notes. <laughs> probably, yeah, that's probably what I'll stick up at the website. Um, so uh, replays should be up probably on my site sometime tomorrow. I don't know when. Um, I don't know when they come up uh, for VP Live. Um, but you can check them out on antinanny.com. Um, there'll be a link there and you'll be able to listen to the replay. If you couldn't get enough of us, like, laughing about 11,000 people voting for Hombre or the stupidity of government. Oh, shit. That's Somebody where has to go. tell me how to get the show recording to you to do that. Fuck. Very, very, you'll oh, be I, able I to can, explain. I can, do, I can explain that, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, because Barry, you're really underpaid. 
<laughs> he is. He totally is. I'm telling you. I am very lucky to have both of you in my life. And thank you. Thank you for everything. I'm grateful that we're all still friends. That nobody's yelling at anybody for their point of view. This is just nice. And I needed yeah, some life's nice. Too, life's too short to be that petty, really. <laughs> I think so. Well, and think the so. three of us have very different views on a lot of things. Um, yeah, I think we're poster children for what um, people should aspire to be. <laughs> I mean, you can you can disagree with somebody on a lot of things, and you can have vastly different views on things, um, right. and you know, still remain friends, and not only have friendships but um, actual working experience with each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'll tell you, I think what maybe separates us out maybe differently a little bit from other people is that I think we see this whole big blue marble as a whole. You know what I mean? And we don't tend to see it in its separate parts. And when we do, we take into account other people's experiences and thoughts as well. That's a big thing. A lot of people don't do that. So I'm happy to have such enlightened and good friends. Thank you very much. Thank you for everything. And for everybody who listens, thank you for listening. And I guess have a great night. Why spend hours searching for in-stock ammunition when you can use AmmoSeek.com? AmmoSeek.com is a search engine for finding ammunition, reloading components, magazines, and guns for more than 300 calibers at more than 60 online retailers. AmmoSeek.com only shows items that are in stock and readily available for shipping. You can search by caliber, grains, manufacturer, and more. The results are displayed by cost per round, so you are able to get the very best pricing on your ammunition of choice. Find ammunition at the best prices, fast. AmmoSeek.com.